This is Corn Stars, part of the Herpetoculture Network, with your hosts Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics and Chris Painshap of Badlands Herpetoculture. Enjoy! Let's go. <laughs> this is episode five of Corn Stars, uh, brought to you by BlackBotCages.com and Silent Hill Reptiles. So if you happen to get an awesome corn, or really any of the other stuff that, that JT and Mindy are doing, I think they had some bears hatching today, some bears that I sent them, actually. Yeah. Uh, you buy the snake from them, and then you go and you get a cage or a rack from Black Box. Look at that. You get the awesomest corns. The awesome cages, and you put them together. And uh, yeah, please check them out blackboxcages.com, silenthillreptiles.com. Follow both on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, all good people. I vouch for them both wholeheartedly. Um, I am Justin Smith of Homo Chris Exotics, as always, joined by Mr. Chris Painshab of Badlands Pediculture. And this week we are joined by Miss Sarah Morris, Sarah's Snake Shop. Hi. <laughs> she was someone when we started the show, at least like the overall the show, starting the show, not this episode. Like she was on the list very quickly. So there's, there's <laughs> Absolutely. A list I threw together of people that's like these have to happen, and her name was was on that list. Awesome. Fast. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. What's been, uh, what's been going on? Uh. You do a little season recap, see where we're all at with the uh, breeding and stuff. Obviously, it's breeding season, which is such a exciting and tension-filled time. Uh, hurry up Justin, and wait. <laughs> hurry up and wait. Justin, you got yeah. anything cooking right now? You got any, any, any locks, any, any eggs? I don't any... have any eggs yet, so Ladies Island Female is definitely gravid. Uh, Wonderful. I've Beautiful snakes. That. I've been taking the mail that I put with absent female you sent me. Yeah, uh, he's been bouncing between her and the other locality female that I have. It kind of so I definitely felt eggs in the in the one ladies on female. The other female I didn't feel anything yet, but she was looking pretty thick. And then the blood reds I've had those together. They're both going into a shed. I don't know if it's going to be prelay. She's also looking kind of thick. And then uh, yeah, and then it's just bairds and. I haven't, so I've had the uh, the thorn scrubs together too a lot. I haven't yeah. seen any action from them. They've just been hanging out under the hide together, but I haven't seen any sort of interest or breeding on the male's part. So I don't know what's going on with them. Uh, everything else has just been paired, and now we're just waiting. So. Yeah, those those thorn scrubs, they're wild caught and they're they're shy. So you you might not see anything happen. No, they they you know. haven't come out from under the. I haven't seen them out from under that hide in a hot minute. I just checked on them earlier. Before hot box. I got home and they were just they were both curled up hanging out in there. So usually if they're cuddled up together and the female's not really trying to distance themselves from the male, yeah. I, I find if I'm leaving them like that, it's usually a good sign. I mean mm-hmm. I mean who knows? Yeah. I'm hoping this blood red female is, is gravid though. That's gonna be badass, yeah. Blood that red, male, blood red, both wide. Dude, he was trying like like hell when I put him in there. I I'd leave him in there for 
day or two because he was, I could tell he was, he was pursuing her hard and she was not about it. So just for the sake of, of not stressing her out, you know, I'd separate them for a day or two and then put them back together. You get those males that have a little, a little tenure to breeding and they're just like kind of overly aggressive yeah. you know? and it's, 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 it's fun to watch them. Yeah. Uh, I have eggs on the ground. I have uh, Pichofis depigenii. I got I got eggs out of them. They they pair early, so I I got a nice clutch of eight good eggs. A couple slugs. Uh, I got nine last year. I got eight this year. Happy about that. Um, I got my first corn clutch this week. Uh, it's caramel Miami to caramel Miami. Both het diffused, het sun kissed, and those are the children of Hannibal. Uh, mm-hmm. So I got a pair of holdbacks in I think two thousand. I'm going to say 2019 might have been eh, 2019 uh, from Silent Hill, JT. Um, got him through one of the auctions that he did for uh, Carpet Fest. Great cause. Oh, uh, nice. Great group of guys. Yeah. I actually, that's how I met JT. Uh, I, I bought, I won one of the auction vouchers and I bought steaks from him. Uh, and that little girl raised, her from, raised them both from a little wiggle worms. And I got a clutch of nine good, good eggs out of them. Uh, excited to see what comes out of those. Yeah. I'm going to get a baby Hannibal and I'm so excited. <laughs> Uh, so my Chinese beauties, Calico to head Calico, she just had her prelay. Uh, so that's exciting. It's my first nice. year for them. Yeah. They're, they're neat. They're fun. Yeah. Uh, I had some Calico Chinese beauties for a while. I love them. That's one of the first projects I want to get back into. They're, they're really neat animals. They're a little cryptic, a little, a little, little, little whippy, a little runny, but man, they're, they're really easy so far. Mm-hmm. I don't have, I don't have fertile eggs on the ground yet, so I can't say yeah. that. Uh, as far as gravid, um, my blood red charcoal tessera project, I've got a gravid girl there. Oh, I've probably got three or four gravid corns. Uh, my pewter girl looks gravid. Uh, my JMG coral ghost to Ultramel Motley Het Annery tessera boy. Uh, she's in prelay right now. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I wrote it down and I'm like not even looking at it. Uh, I start, started getting, so I got all my cold, cold stuff. So all my stuff that goes in the freezer that's out, I started getting locks. Uh, so I have three confirmed locks from my Baja F2 uh, Cali Kings, which are Ciudad Intergensis. I'm sorry. Uh, I got three locks from them. I've got three locks from my Ultra Granite Mex Mex. Didn't you say the Kings were locked up for like 12 hours straight? Dude, my, my, the last time my Callies locked up was 12 hours straight. I had to squirt water on them to pull them apart. Because uh, <laughs> I had to go to work. And I was waking up through the night to, to check on them because the female will eat the male. She's wrapped them up multiple times. So I feed them. I wait about four hours. I pair them up. Uh, a small meal, like a little hopper or something. Uh, they're, they're really small Cali Kings. They're like, of all the Cali King uh, localities, they're the smallest. So they're only about three foot. They're smaller than a corn snake. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're four years old, too. They didn't go last year because the female just immediately tried to eat the male. Um, <laughs> I, ha- I have some Leonis locks. Uh, yeah. gosh, gopher snakes uh, I've locked up again. Kanks? Uh, Kankakees, I've had three locks from them. Uh, the pines are doing absolutely nothing. So my northern pines and my black pines just don't even care about each other. Uh so hopefully once I start getting some sheds out of them, uh, a lot of these species are, are, are locking up before sheds. Um, a lot of the king snakes will, 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 will mate before shed and their first shed will actually be pre-lay. Um, so the pitch office I'm waiting on, 
Uh, let's see here. My 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 prized possession snakes. My uh, Baja Gophers. Uh, my Cape Baja Gophers. They're they're cuddling up really good. I don't know. They're they're such secretive snakes that like you look at them and they just like get scared. Uh, so <laughs> they're 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 cuddling well. Um, other than that, man, there, there's probably a couple other things I'm forgetting, but. Yeah, that's oh, a gray bandits. I started pairing gray bandits, so both my gray bandit females dead. So I have those paired up, and uh, and yeah, so that they, they that looks promising. Again, I, I usually don't see locks out of gray bandits either. They're very, you know, I have the wild caught male and then the F one females, uh, and I, I threw another male from the same locality in the mix. And so yeah, it's man, a lot of work, a lot of poop, a lot of semen, a lot of blood, a lot of feeding, and it's yeah, have fun with getting those alternative babies going too. Uh, I, hey, last year. 100% feeding rate. I got every single snake eating. Wow. Never, never breed them again. Okay. So I will I will put a little caveat on that. One of those Alterna just started taking its freeze-thawed frozen thawed mice this year uh, from last year. But, you know, we do tails, and then you go through the whole... We could do a whole show on getting gray bandits to eat, but yeah, I got a bunch of stuff that doesn't want to eat. Even even like my Everglades last year didn't want to eat. So that took a I'm a glutton for punishment. But yeah. Other than that, Sarah, what do you what do you just let's just you got a recap on, on what you got moving for this season so far? Uh everything's corn snakes. Um I have I think five or six different females. I have uh oh an ultramel okatee hat annery that's paired with a halo snow okatee. Uh and his hat caramel and motley, or possibly hat anyway. Uh, I also paired his dad, who's also a Halo Snow, to another Ultramel. And I paired him as well to a Green Blotch Snow female. Uh, so I have some Halo Green Blotch stuff going on. Um, I paired a possible Het Golden with her son, uh, hoping, of course, that we can tease out that Golden mutation. And uh, let's see, I feel like there's there's one more. I have a mystery female that I bought as a ghost Blood Red Motley. And it turns out she's like none of that. Uh, she's at least Annery. <laughs> she's Annery and Motley, but like sh she's not a ghost or she's not, I mean, she's not hypo or blood red. We proved that out last year. And uh, we don't know what she is. She looks like a ghost Motley. She doesn't look like she has blood red, but she looks like a ghost Motley, but she's not. So we don't know what she is, but I paired her with just an Annery Motley male. Uh, I know that they share hets. So um, I, I, I held back a male from her last year to hope to breed back to her in the future, maybe even next year because he's growing really well. So maybe yeah. once he's at his second year, um, he'll be able to breed. And uh, everybody's in their pre-lay sheds right now. And I have one female that has laid eggs. And that female is just a regular Annery corn snake that I bred with another Annery. Um, well, she could... She might be a red coat. I think she's a red coat annery, but uh, I just expect regular anneries from that clutch. She was kind of a, I got her. She wasn't brumated and was like, well, I guess I'll try to breed her to this other male. That was pretty much my thought process. Yeah. So, yeah. I should have all of my eggs. I think if not by the end of April, by like early, early May. Okay. Awesome. It's a lot. Yeah, I'm curious as far as like what your timeline is, is with the breeding seasons and stuff because I know like JT and, and some of them do it a little differently than, than how I've always traditionally done it. But it's with not even necessarily just corns but other stuff. So, um, but we'll get into that in a, in a bit. But uh, who are you and what got you in the corns? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. What's the, what's the Sarah story? 
Uh, well, I am Sarah of Sarah Snake Shop, and um, I got into snakes when I was really little. My grandma had a seven-foot red-tailed boa, and I have pictures of me in my crib with that snake. So that's, snakes have always been a part of my life, and um, you know, I always used to catch garter snakes and stuff when I was a kid, but uh, when I was old enough to get a job, I got a job at a pet store and saw the first snow corn snake I'd ever seen, and something about a very like pink and white snake was very fascinating to me, so had to have it. Um, and because I was young and dumb and didn't do research when I was like 16, uh, it, it escaped and I couldn't find it. But um, after actually growing up and doing research, I got another corn snake and his name is Flair. And um, I now have many, many babies from him. And um, just after getting the one snake, I remember someone else came to me and said like, uh, we found a corn snake that had gotten out and it's it's not eating, so do you want it? And I'm like, sure. So then I had two snakes and then um, I became suddenly known as this person that you could just drop off your corn snakes to if you didn't want them. So I ended up very quickly with like this accumulation of corn snakes and um, some of them, I, I was told that a whole group of them were males. But two of them ended up being females and so i got two clutches of eggs kind of by accident and decided to incubate them and i was just hooked after that that was forever i will like ever since then i have been hatching corn snakes every single year like that one accidental year that i ha had corn snake eggs by accident and then put them in a chicken egg incubator i have been breeding every year since then i just it was just one of those like instant like addictions i don't know how else yeah. to put it no um, it, it makes sense yeah so yeah, and I I actually got um, I officially have my LLC as of this year. Nice. I, uh, yeah, super great taxes, yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I started Sarah Snake Shop. I want to say like eight or nine years ago uh, when I knew that this was something that I was really going to be doing. Um, I had my first clutch in 2011, and so this is going to be I think my 12th breeding season, and. Wow. I, that's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. I almost quit last year. I all I came so close because my wow. husband and I, now husband, uh, then fiance, were getting married, and we were we thought we were heading in the direction of children, and then we decided we were going to wait on that a little longer. So uh, I am now like like well, this is still official. I haven't given up, and uh, I, yeah, I just. That's 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 most of the story. I don't know. I just became instantly addicted after the first clutch and never looked back. That's awesome. I'll, I'll tell you right now. Uh, you know, don't don't even think about slowing down on breeding once you have kids. Because uh, once I had my daughter, she's five now. I got a lot more serious about it because you go spend a lot more time at the house. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's uh, it's you know what a blessing children are. You can only uh, watch Frozen so many times. No, no, you cannot. <laughs> I can sing every song right now. Uh, I mean, you know, you could do some karaoke for us if you want I Well, you know, a couple more white claws. We'll see. The beauty of marriage is being getting to be with somebody that, that, that you love and you're going to spend the rest of your life with them. Uh, and and that, that beauty is magnified by children. So whenever you guys do decide to make that decision, uh, it, it, or, 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 you know what? It's not easy. It's not always an easy situation. Yeah. It's also not an easy thing to happen. Uh, you know, there's a lot of struggles in there as well. It is uh, free labor as they get older. Yeah. And, 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 First but, full advantage of, of that. 
<laughs> my kid loves working with me. She's she's five now. When she was about three, uh, she was already starting to help, and now she comes and cleans in the snake room. Well, snake and gecko room. I got a lot of bunch of stupid geckos too. No, I say stupid. I love them. <laughs> bunch of stupid geckos. <laughs> I have a bunch of geckos. I've got way too many animals, probably. But she helps me, and it's neat to be able to uh, cultivate your uh, your attitude towards these animals with the kid. And I, I think I think with your your positive attitude and your your enjoyment with this you'd find that pretty quickly. Uh, but I actually found myself getting way more serious about breeding reptiles once I had a child. Uh, in fact, the, the year she was born, I probably, that's when I bought my 2016. Hmm. Shrek is, I think I bought my, cause I bought Shrek as an adult. He was, he was my lychee. Yeah. I, pro I, do, I probably spent like 10 grand on, reptiles the year my daughter was born because i was like sitting at home and i was like well i'm not gonna go do anything i'm not gonna go but anyways that's yeah so but that's awesome i i, I did not know you've been breeding for 12 years that's that's a it's a, it's a that's a serious number that's a long time yeah. to be breeding snakes it's it's pretty crazy to think that it's been that long um i my thought was maybe that i would stop in 2021 because it was like it started in 2011 and i would end in 2021 but then yeah. um and, and it it felt like that was the way it was going to go, but also like COVID has hold, held a lot of things yeah. back. And sure. um, I'm working from home most of the time now. My husband's full time work at home, so it it just was like, well, I have more time at home now. And apparently, the working from home is going to be permanent, which is fine with me. I love working yeah. from home. I am not a super social person as much as people like might see me that way online because I am, you know, bubbly and happy and stuff. Uh, but like. I don't like going out. That sucks. I would love just staying in my house, being with my snakes, and I'll answer phone calls for work in the meantime. Uh, so that's pretty much my life now, and I happy, I'm happy with it. Uh, but yeah, so that really like changed our outlook on a lot of things when it was, seemed like, oh, hey, we're going to be doing this sort of semi-permanently, so just yeah. keep reading snakes. Yeah. Why not? Keep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going, you know? Did you Absolutely. notice, though, an uptick in people like inquiries as far as what you had available with COVID and stuff like that? Because it seems like there was a lot of industries that sort of benefited from COVID and the fact that people had more time to do things. You, know, you saw people getting into house plants a lot more heavily. I know like cigar wise, cigar industry saw a huge boom from COVID because people were at home, they had nothing to do. And they, I guess some way or another, they came across cigars and they wanted to get into that. So that became like a pastime a lot of people picked up. Uh, but I know like there's some people that breed as well. And they said that I had a lot more stories like that this year. Uh, I don't want to, I'm not going to say that I necessarily had a big boom in sales because uh, I really, you know, I only produce maybe 10 clutches a year. Uh, and so that's kind of been that way since the beginning. So I've always sold the same number of snakes, give or take. But um, I, I always love hearing people's stories when they message me like, this is for my daughter or this is for my, you know, my sister or my wife or my husband. And there's been a lot more stories that are like, my husband and I are working from home now and we really want a pet that we can look at in our office or just sort of stories like that. Uh, are a lot more prevalent, and um, it does seem like people are were, are like willing to spend a little bit more money on snakes this year. Um, there's definitely been years when if I priced something at a hundred dollars, it was not going to sell. It had to be under a hundred bucks, or it was just not going to sell. This year, I could price things at like three hundred dollars, and people are like, "Here, take my money." So yeah. I think 
I think that that has changed people's attitudes a little bit because now that a lot of people are home, they want to value their home space a little bit more. Right. And they realize they that home space. Right. Yeah. They want that home space to be more interesting for them because they're spending so much time at home. And I think that snakes have really been a relief for people or pets in general, especially low maintenance pets in general, I think have really Absolutely. brightened up the home. And even my husband and I, we got a fish tank. Like, you know, I love uh -oh. snakes. He's not a huge, like, snake person he's indifferent he doesn't care he's like as long as the as long as the snake room doesn't smell i don't care so i just <laughs> clean it more often than usual um probably as often as they deserve to be clean to be honest but uh like we got a fish tank and we're also starting to grow plants because we have the time for that now so uh i get it i guess um but yeah it seemed like there were less breeders contacting me this year than usual it was more just individuals or like families who wanted pets mm -hmm. instead of breeders wanting more stock which i right. thought was interesting yeah that's yeah this this these last two years were really interesting especially like after stimulus checks went out yep. and 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 that there was there was a, a a very different dichotomy in the kind of people that were reaching out to you for animals mm -hmm. uh like I, I work with a lot of gargoyle geckos and most of the people that were buying my gargoyles were uh, like breeders. Cause I had like a specific line or something I was working with and, 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 you know, they knew, okay, Hey, I want someone, something from that lineage. Uh, I'll, you know, you're, you're an avenue to get that. And the last two years and, and some of the shows we, some of the shows I have, I've only, I only been two shows a year. Uh, this year will actually only be uh, one. Show. And uh, the people at the shows, are, are different. Um, you know, Texas got really lucky. I hate, I say lucky. Texas isn't very lucky right now. Uh, <laughs> when, when we had our COVID swings, I was very lucky at those times for my shows. Uh, yeah. So there was one show that I, I, I ended up canceling. Just uh, COVID concerns, just, you know, personal, having a child, working in, in, in an environment with, I have a lot of employees. Uh, but the shows I did vent, the people that were there looking for reptiles and were coming to my table and buying from me were very different than the people that I had seen before. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been, it's been an interesting, I think this year, uh, which is the year where snakes should all be $300 each uh, because of ice and uh, yeah. shipping and, and shipping. The yep. And, and the, the amount of money we're spending on gas uh, to go to work. And, and, you know, so obviously inflation has gone up massively, uh, I think this year we we're, we're going to have a little trouble because all of these struggles that we're having, uh, others are going to have as well. Um, yeah. And, and I've actually I, gotten a lot more rodent sales this year because people like rodent prices have gone up oh, all, in all of the stores around me. And um, I'm still paying roughly the same price, maybe a tiny bit higher. But since I buy, you know, a thousand rodents at a time, I can afford to resell those to my customers at a, like half the price of the pet stores. So yeah, I awesome. actually had a lot of people come to me this year and say like, hey, I know you breed snakes, but we already have a snake. Can you sell me some rodents? So I did have a lot of people like that this year, which I was really surprised about. I, I don't think I've had as many rodent sales any other year. Yeah. So when you think about the people that have that only have you know, five or less snakes. Like they, it doesn't make much sense for them to drop four or five hundred dollars on a rodent order. Yeah, yeah. And if you go to PetSmart, you're gonna get reamed anyways. Like I, I painfully paid like forty dollars for like ten mice or something, twelve mice a couple weeks ago because I didn't have any. I breed my own mice, but I, I was out at the time, and so I was like, I gotta get something. So I very, very hesitantly went to PetSmart and forked over. Yep. 
hurt. Yeah, I don't think it's, I'll ever go down that road again if I don't have to. Yeah, I uh, I, I stock the freezer. That's we don't have any live breeders. I'm allergic mm -hmm. to mice. I'm allergic to rats. Uh, I'm allergic to happiness and and aspen. <laughs> and I, I gotta wear gloves. Same. I'm allergic to aspen, so like I. I got a freezer full of frozen stuff. And if you don't eat frozen thawed, I'm going to find out a way to make that happen. If yeah, not, that's like, same here. Same here. I, I had a pair of albino pine snakes, uh, albino Florida pines, and the female never once took frozen thawed for me. I had to feed it live its whole life. And I sent them to Jake. And then Jake immediately messaged me and told me they were eating frozen thawed. I want to strangle uh. his tiny little neck. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, okay. So, uh, we, 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 we know what started you in this. Uh, we know we know how long you've been doing this. What what led Sarah into two beautiful books and YouTube? Something got you uh, there. What what drove you to do that? Well, um, actually, the YouTube started as sort of a supplement to my Facebook page. Um, and I, I actually am the admin of the Corn Snake Morph ID help group on Facebook. We have other admins, uh, so I'm like, I don't want to like take away from their contribution because they do quite a lot. Um, but like, I'm one of the like more known admins in there, and I would get people messaging me constantly asking me morph questions. Um, you know, they would post in the group sometimes, but they'd be like, I didn't really feel like this was appropriate for the group. And I ended up just typing the same thing yeah. over and over again. And finally I was like, I'm just gonna make a video about this. So I think Mask was one of the first like morph videos that I made. Cause I remember like everybody wanted to know everything about Mask for some reason. And so I just decided to make a video going over everything we knew. And anytime that somebody asked me about it, I would link them to the video because I was tired of retyping yeah. the same thing over and over again. Um, and then people thought that was awesome. And then they wanted a different video for a different morph. And so then it just compiled and went on, you know, it's like the YouTube channel just like kept going with all these morph deep dive things. And um, I've really enjoyed doing it. And someone said, you know a lot about corn. Yeah, I, and I'm glad, I'm so glad that it helps people because like, that's all I've ever really wanted to do is like help educate people. That's why I got into the morph ID group in the first place was to help people with morphs because I'm, I guess that's something I'm good at. Like, you know, I'm not good at much, but that is something that I am pretty good at. And, um, so the YouTube channel was what started that. And then someone said, you seem to know a lot. You should write a book. And, uh, I kind of shrugged it off at first. And then I had two or three and five and 12 and 20 people tell me that I should write a book. <laughs> and so, uh, I already had all these scripts for these videos. Yeah. And so I pretty much put them together, refined them, had some people go over them to make sure that they weren't like, you know, like a ton of incorrect information and, um, printed them. And then I thought, like, nobody's going to buy this, right? And I have a lot of book sales now, like, really kind of yeah. surprising. Uh, and then once people, you know, got all of the, like, base morph things down, because the first book is just the history of the base mutations. There's about 30 base mutations in corn snakes. And, uh, but I didn't go over, like, combinations. I didn't go selectively bred stuff. And people wanted selectively bred information. And so the second book is all about the selectively bred types of, of snakes, like the, you know, reverse Okatees and like pinstripe motleys instead of just like Amels and motleys, you know, something a little bit more specialized. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's what, and then people now they want an update, like whenever there's things to update on. And, uh, so that's a thing that I've taken on now, I guess, <laughs> uh, Chuck Pritzel had done books like that 
better than mine, like a thousand times better than mine years ago, but he stopped uh, in the, the same year that I started breeding. I think his last one was in 2011. So um, there's a lot of stuff that's just not in in that, in this book anymore. Like the, there's no palmetto. I don't think there's any tessera. Uh, they didn't have like peach figured out. There's a lot of stuff they didn't have figured out. And uh, so obviously he did not write books on those things. He's He's done, he's out of the hobby as far as I know, or at least done writing books. And so I guess I was just like, I guess I'm going to fill the void. And so that's where I'm at. I'm filling, filling the morph void. Well, we, uh, it's helped a lot because I, I mean, I bred corns with my dad back in like 2000, 2004 in that time frame. And I'd had some off and on throughout the years, you know, up until the last probably year or two, and I've gotten heavily back into them. And so like showing back up after that span of time, a lot had changed. You know, so the deep dives on YouTube seriously helped in terms of understanding sort of what's what and how things work in, in conjunction with other morphs and stuff. And mm -hmm. the books, you know, helped a lot as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad, it honestly. It's so much easier to, to sort of digest all that information. And I was just talking oh, absolutely. The other day about making flashcards or something just to keep up with the combos and stuff because it's just like, it's. It's wild. It's exploded it's since then. It's just so hard to keep up with everything now. And I've never been much of a morph guy to begin with. So I was already like kind of out of the loop as far as basic genetics and stuff anyways. So it's been, I, uh, it's been a, a, having to relearn a lot. You know, it's helped a lot. I, I have a term that I've used before in podcasts about our generation. Now, Sarah, I don't know how old you are, and you don't need to tell us. Uh, I'm, well, I'm, a, I'm 30. I'll be 31 okay. in like two weeks. <laughs> okay, well, perfect. I was going to say late 20s, mid-30s. I'm, you know, I'm 37. I'm an old man. Uh, <laughs> anybody in this generation, and I, and I like to talk about this with uh, uh, Bill from uh, uh, the Lizard Brain Radio, uh, we're, we're the in-betweeners. So we grew up maybe not having internet, not, mm -hmm. not having these books on our shelves, maybe not having direct access to information, but yet we're, we're cultivating this experience for these people that will have this right at their fingertips, the digital yeah. age, mm -hmm. because the people that are, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to define an age because I don't necessarily think it's an age thing. It's maybe a generational mentality. Yeah. Uh, you've got this group of guys. None of them need, need to be named because they've spent their whole life putting their name on things. Uh, which is a very specific thing that's special about our generation. We don't put our name on anything. Right? Yeah, like, I'm just like, why do you care? <laughs> why yeah, do you like, Why do you need my name on that? Why Why does this need to be the the Sarah line uh, snow? Right. Right. Why can't we yeah. Just I'm just like, what it is to say this yeah. is a halo. You know, this is, and we'll get into those here in a little bit. Yeah. But we we we're, as the in betweeners, we're we're the translators of of this beautiful amount of knowledge that that, that these people have put poured their lives into. And they, they wrote it down. And, and, and do you think that some, you know, 16, 14 year old uh, person that's going to be getting into this hobby is going to just hop online and find a forum from 1998? Right. No, we're the in-between generation. We're the in-betweeners, right? We, we, we don't get to enjoy the newness of this hobby, right? We didn't get to do that. We weren't there. But we also don't get to enjoy the immediate satisfaction of this hobby right. because that yeah. isn't necessarily here there either. But yet somehow we're pouring our hearts into this. We're making these podcasts where you're doing these YouTube videos. Those YouTube videos are there forever, right? Your books yeah. are there 
uh, you know, as long as you're you're willing to to put them out in digital format or which digital format is probably going to be, you know, it's probably going to be there anyway. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I most of like they're all digital format. I only printed a very small handful, so somebody out there has it on their laptop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like there's probably over hundred people who have, have it on their laptop. laptop. Yeah, <laughs> so. I was about to say. Yeah. I was about to say we. We. I mean, the the the. You know, I I've been breeding reptiles for, uh, twenty four years this year, and uh, I got maybe breeding corn snake awesome. which would be four seasons ago. I started breeding. I immediately bought your books because I was like, hey, where's the culmination of knowledge? Uh, yeah. You know, and and you you are a herald of the in betweeners because you you funneled all of this. And, and it's overwhelming. I know it's overwhelming because <laughs> it's I, it can be for <laughs> sure. Know, I it, 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 yeah absolutely because you 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 did it and 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 it, it's it's a it's a blessing this hobby to people like you uh, Justin I, I I talk about him all the time making these podcasts these podcasts don't go away in, in right. fifty years these podcasts exist Sarah you did a podcast with Joe Phelan I think maybe mm-hmm. three years ago four years ago I've done I've done two I've done two with him M- many years ago uh, yeah. D- uh, Donovan Winterberg. Uh, yeah, one of his I did one with him too. Yeah, yeah. You, I, I, the, these things exist in a sense that maybe not. We have to be honest. Uh, things become outdated, right? Like yeah. there is, there is, there is. Knowledge only moves forward, yet data logged information stays stagnant. Mm-hmm. So we 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 change, we progress, we we learn new things, we we find out new truths to the lies. There's always things that maybe weren't were uh, obfuscated. Uh, and, and yeah, so it's really neat to be part of that. And, and part of one of the reasons I wanted to talk about why you ended up moving into that is, is, is I think it's quite amazing that oh, what you. you're doing is data logging this information, uh, for the future. Right. Yeah. Uh, so w- when my daughter, uh, decides to get on YouTube and look up corn snake videos, you know, we've been, maybe we're bringing them together. Maybe that's. You know, there, th- these avenues exist. How many <laughs> morph explanation videos exist? None, right? It just doesn't it's exist. crazy that there's not. I had no idea that, that it didn't exist. I thought, why do I have to make these videos that are repeating things that are repeated <laughs> in a thousand different places? Yeah. But that's, you know, if if you Google like corn snake morphs, like my videos are the only ones that come up and like, I'm happy about that. Yeah. But also like so shocked. So yeah. shocked it, that there wasn't. No one, yeah, no one wanted to put in the like. That's a lot of work, especially when you compartmentalize <laughs> it like you have with all the different groups and stuff. It's like I I can't think of really anybody off the top of my head that would be willing to take the time to, to put together. And I mean, they're not short videos either, so it's not like it's yeah. five minutes of like this is an email, this is why it's an email. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like they are like they're deep dives and they're called that for a yeah. reason. I think it's like that's a that's a pretty big undertaking. Um. That I think a lot of people probably aren't willing to commit the time to, or maybe they just don't even have the resources for it. Yeah, there, there's something we need to understand in this little in-betweener generation, and maybe it's reptile specific, and maybe it's not. Maybe this is just life specific. Tribal knowledge becomes useless to people that are not in your tribe. Mm-hmm. So find find a way to spread that to others. Uh, it's intoxicating. It's wonderful. It's, it's just a it's, it's a damn good thing. It's, it's, it's a yeah. good thing for, for again, you guys, uh, and maybe I can even be a part of that as well. Now, it's, yeah, you know, that's that positivity coming out, a little toxic positivity. For <laughs> Have it. I'll take it. I'll take I'll it. Be, I need some positivity for sure. <laughs> I'll be a little, I mean, little corn snake Oprah right now. Winter, like <laughs> you Winter get a Burks. snake. Can you get a snake? 
Donovan's show, when I noticed that it wasn't around anymore, and I mean, this was obviously has been around for a while, but just like with uh, GTP Keeper Radio, like I do the contracast, there was a void there. Like there's, I, I, you know, there's, there wasn't any GTP Keeper Radio. They would, they would release like two episodes a year, maybe. So I was like, I have the equipment, I have the ability to fill that void. And it was sort of the same with this, where it's like, clearly there's not a corn-specific show around anymore. I have the equipment, I have the ability, so that's why we, you know, we started this. And that's awesome. I'm So I'm excited about this, honestly. I'm always down for a corn snake podcast. Mm-hmm. But a lot, I mean, a lot of it, honestly, was also me, like I did it a little selfish leave because it's like okay i need to catch up on a lot of this stuff what better way than to record the conversations with people that have that are clearly much more knowledgeable in it than i am you know for sure it helps you know a it's information that i can bring to to the world and then i'm also getting asked the questions and things that i've been i've been curious about myself and chris helps out a ton with that because chris is way more in the loop as far as more stuff than i am so it's uh it's worked out yeah, I'm really glad. Yeah, it's it's great stuff. Go ahead, Justin. You go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so we were talking about your breeding plans this year. Um, was there, in those pairings, and, and we talked about them real quick, is there any, what, what are the what are the specific projects? Not, not necessarily these are the pairings that I did last year, these are the pairings I did the year before, but what are the, in that house of animals that are breeding, I think you said you had five or six pairs going. What what are the the, the projects? Those ones that this is my this is my five year, my three year, like you know, e- e- kind of like that. Could you tell us a little bit? Sure. Uh, I don't have like a year um, span, but I do have like three main projects, and then one or two sort of like little side projects. Uh, so the main project obviously is the Green Blush and Halo. That's a that's an ongoing thing. I hope to always have that in my collection. Um, uh, all of my halos, almost all of them stem from my original halo male. Uh, he was the sire of pretty much all of my halo stuff. And so I always want to keep his line going. He unfortunately passed away. Uh, I believe last year he had some cancerous tumors, um, that they thought they'd remove, but didn't. And unfortunately he passed away from that. So happy to have some of his offspring that thankfully do not have any of his problems. I'm just like, I was so scared that it was going to pass on, but it seems like we're going to be good. Um, so there's that. And I do have a little tiny chunk of the golden project. Uh, I, I had a very large chunk. In fact, the largest chunk for, um, about a year, but I just couldn't get them to like breed or be interested in breeding. And, um, I was also in a very bad financial situation and, um, ended up selling off most of them, uh, except for one pair that I was almost a hundred percent sure did produce a golden, but they haven't produced any since then. And, uh, so I am breeding a mother to a son in hopes that something comes of that. Um, and let's see, the other project is my flare project. That was the progeny of my original corn snake that I raised from a hatchling. He was a normal, um, kind of, except he was proven to probably be a mask because like all of his offspring, like 
half of all of his offspring were masks, even though he didn't look like it. And that's the only explanation I have is that he was just really low expression. Uh, and But he also was het for diffused charcoal, annery, motley, like pretty much everything but the kitchen sink. Uh, and so I have a huge variety of babies from him. I have a couple of charcoal sun kiss from him. Um, I have some blood reds from him. I have some like granites and a, just a bunch of stuff from him. So I have the flare project, the golden project and the halo project. Those are the three main ones. And then I always have to have an ultra melt Okati in my collection and use that. Like, I just, I love ultra melt. It's, that is my it's favorite so morph. So I love it so much. And I love breeding ultra melts to amels because you get that variety. I've always yeah. bred for variety. That's my favorite thing. Uh, I have never been much of a line breeder. I know a lot of people, they want to do like Miami's or they want to do Okatees or they want like, they have like a line that they want. But I, I've never cared about lines. I've never really cared too much about like refining certain things. Like I want to refine my halos. I think that's my, my one big project. And I think that I have like the epitome of the best halo I'll ever produce. Right now I hatched him in 2020, bred him this year. Um, he was a little clumsy about it, but he got the job done uh, with my ultra mellow Kati female. So I'm um, really hoping, and she's had Annery, so really hoping to get some yeah. nice uh, like halo snow Okatees from that pair as well. Um, that's, that's pretty much it. Like I don't have too many other big, big projects. I have a pair of spotted pythons that I'm growing up. I got them, uh, I think the year before last and they're doing good. Just, they just are spotted pythons. I love spotted pythons because they're just, they mind their business. They don't give me any trouble with feeding. They just they're super sweet you get them out and you can just hold them they don't care you know they don't move around near as much as corn snakes they're they're more mobile than a ball python which is one reason i like them but they're not like so mobile that they might be intimidating to someone who is a little apprehensive about snakes so anytime yeah. someone who is like i've never held a snake before can you get one out and i'll just touch it i always go for the spotted pythons because they're just they're, they just are great snakes. They mind their business, very sweet, eat everything that you put in front of them, except for your hand, which is something I love about them. I've been bitten by way more corn snakes than spotted pythons. <laughs> they just, they they are smarter or something. I don't know. But <laughs> regardless, uh, so I'm excited to breed those when the time comes. Um, but that's it. Like, those are my three main projects. Plus the Ultramel is kind of just like a thing that I like to have. Yeah. So there, there's a chance somewhere in there of a of a what I like to call snow tremels, uh, but ultramel <laughs> anery uh, in that mm -hmm. halo project. Then. Yep. Oh, that's gonna be. Yeah, great. it sounds like it would be, doesn't it? I tried that. Guess what happens? Nothing. Oh. <laughs> because <laughs> melanin masks halo. So yeah. if anything that has melanin, uh, huh. except for maybe the exception of sunkissed, I've seen because the the way that the um, color sort of sits on a sun kiss it's not quite normal uh and so a little bit of that halo yellow peeks out from around the saddle borders when it's there on a sun kiss but uh otherwise it has to pretty much be an amelanistic type to see the halo um Interesting. i have i have seen a like i had some halo ultramel anerase or at least one that when it was a baby um when i shined a light on it a certain way you could see the the halo yellow kind of underneath that uh that melanin but as soon as she started getting older and that melanin came in a little thicker she you couldn't see that anymore so it's like i knew that she was but uh you couldn't see it so uh as cool as it sounds and as much as i would love to have like a gray and yellow like pattern snake like the halo yeah. it just like 
I have not found a way to make that happen yet. And maybe that's a project that I can maybe start working on with this. We'll see. Because that pattern that has the melanin in it, the, the saddle. Yep. Yeah. I guess that's, huh? Yeah. And it's, especially like you'll see with green blotch green blotch being different from halo yeah. in a way so i have seen oh, some snakes with melanin that are green blotch especially in sunkissed it's really easy to see again so sunkissed anneries it very easy to tell that they're green blotch and even a lot of like ghosts that are green blotched you can tell but um if it if it's pretty much anything else you're not gonna be able to tell and the halo only shows up in the borders which is of course where the melanin usually sits the like the darkest part of the melanin on the top of the snake is in the borders and that's where halo is so it's hard to see halo when the when those borders have melanin in them so yeah the, those those borders that have i guess erythra and azanth uh xanthophor xanthophor erythra and then melanin mm-hmm by putting the melanin in there, it covers the xanthophore, which is uh, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah. That is, you know, I, you know, I never really thought about it like that because you immediately say you're you're putting an ultra melt to it. I'm like, awesome, you're gonna make snow tremels, which are, in my opinion, just gorgeous snakes. I uh, love them; they're great. And you know what's kind of <laughs> interesting on the ultra melt and snow tremel, uh, uh you'll still get a lot of throat yellow, uh, a lot of that mm -hmm. kind of uh, uh, nuke. Nuctal yellow on their on uh -huh. their on their head, yep. and then a lot a lot down the throat, and mm -hmm. even in the nose. Yep. Expect like uh, the tequila sunrise line, right? Yeah, they say well, though that that's yeah. a keratin yellow instead of a xanthophor yellow. So keratinoid yellow, they say mostly comes from the food, uh, and I don't disagree. I do think it has more to do not with the food itself, but with the way that the snake's body uh, processes the food mm -hmm. and how that food is then um used to make pigment or not um now i'm i'm not a scientist so like you know don't uh but like i i can only imagine like because i have fed you know you can have two ghosts from two different lines and feed them the exact same food from the exact same place uh for the exact same amount of time one of them can get like bright yellow and the other one will not so it has to do with the way that the snake's body processes the food that you're feeding them. If it comes from the food, which that's what the general consensus is, is that that keratonide yellow comes from the food. So that is what I believe is like on the sides and the neck and the cheeks. Uh, whereas the xanthophore is what you're going to see in most of the rest of the body. Interesting. That's really interesting. <laughs> it's hard. It's that's a lot to immediately start processing. <laughs> Sorry, that's my brain. <laughs> no, good, good. How did you end up from the time you got into corns until sort of now? Like, what was sort of the evolution as far as whittling down what you wanted to focus on? Because you know, I talk to Chris about it all the time. It's like you, you know, I come back to corns, and there's just so many options now. It's hard to really nail down. I love honey stuff. You know, I. There's just there's too much. There is a lot. It's so hard to say. I I'm I'm gonna force myself to only focus on X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. So how did over time was there any particular sort of yeah? So uh, it all well it started mostly with just the corn snakes that I happened to have in the beginning. So the obviously the flare the flare line. Um, he was my very first corn snake that I raised from a baby, and I was very attached to him. Um, he uh, he was pretty old when he passed away, um, so like he had a, lived a long and happy life. Um, and so I don't, I'm not like 
I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still very sentimental about him and I, I miss him so much. He was one of my favorite snakes. So like having him and having that bond to him, just like my own emotional bond to him. Um, I always wanted to have some of his babies. And yeah. when I was breeding him, um, like the first time I bred him, it was to a snow. He gave me anerys. I was like, cool. He's had anery. I bred him to an anery motley. He gave motleys. Cool. He's had motley. Um, bred him to a like a granite and then got charcoals and diffused thinking I was just going to get anerys. And uh, so that was pretty crazy. And then one time I bred him to his daughter and then I got all these sun kissed. And so found out he's got all this stuff going on. <laughs> and um, so like that project has like the most variety in it of anything. And again, I've always loved breeding for variety. So just taking some of his babies and just like let it, you know, figuring out who's had what and breeding them all together. Um, and I have, I've also, I've purchased a lot for outcrossing this last year. So next year, all of that's going to be outcrossed for new blood. Um, but uh, it was just like my attachment to him is kind of what kept me with his line and um, with the halo and green blotch, um, this, my original halo snow came from my very first clutch of corn snakes that hatched. There were only two snows in the clutch. I uh, sold one of them, kept the other one. And the reason I kept it was because he was nicer than the other one. I called them Prince and Popper. Prince was the nice one that I kept. Popper was the one that I didn't like because he was mean. And um, then the owners of Popper came back and brought him with them to just like visit and buy rodents and stuff. And uh, I noticed that mine was very, very yellow in the borders and theirs had absolutely no yellow in the borders. So I started posting pictures of him online and someone reached out and said, uh, hey, you know, you might want to do some trials on that because that could be something really cool. And um, I remember it was Steve Rylance who I sent pictures to and said, what do you think of him? And he said, it looks like he's got halos. He's a halo corn snake. So Steve Rylance is the one that I credit for coming up with the name because it really does look like they've got little halos around their uh, borders there or on the borders. Uh, so that was another thing that was like what kept me in that project. And as far as Golden goes, it really just sort of fell in my lap. Um, a friend of mine had a big chunk of the project. She had bought a bunch of normals that were like 50% possibly hat golden from Joe Pierce. And she just could not keep them all. And that's the same, re the same reason that I ended up getting rid of them was because I thought that I could keep them all and I could not keep them all. It was just so many. Uh, and uh, I ended up breeding... I, two females gave me uh, eggs, and like I said, one of them I thought might have given me a couple of golden offspring, and golden has always had issues. Uh, if you look back at the past, I'm not going to go into details unless you really want me to, but like... Um, it's, always, it's just had trouble getting off the ground because the hatchlings weren't healthy or they didn't come out of the egg at all. They would, you know, just like be dead in egg or the, you know, females didn't want to breed or there would be fertility issues. Like there's been issues from day one with, with golden. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a long, rough road. And when I was then also having issues with females not wanting to breed, I decided that I didn't want any of the project except for what I knew was going to breed. So those are the ones that I have now. And, um, I just want that little piece of that pie because it's it's something that I really I'm passionate about and I really want this mutation to continue in the hobby, uh, especially because we know it's there and we know that we have the potential for it. We just have to pursue it. And it exists proven, right? Like it's, yes. It's a thing, oh yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's for sure a thing. Uh, but for some reason, um, a lot of the bigger names were like, I'm not going to mess with that because why would I just want something that looks like a caramel corn snake? And it's very interesting to me when something isn't worth anything until they can make money off of it. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's that's useless. But if you sell it to me, 
then I'm going to sell it for like 10 times the price. And yeah. so, um, that is interesting, but, uh, regardless, um, I still have my like little slice of that, uh, that project and I just want to keep going with it. And even if they don't give me the goldens, uh, they still give me very beautiful motleys and caramels and caramel motleys. And uh, I just really, good, good yeah, snake. love caramel motleys. That was yeah. actually the first female that I ever bred. Well, I accidentally bred, I guess I should say the, the, uh, matriarch of the halo line was a caramel motley. I had yeah. it for snow. So I, I'm always, I love like any kind of caramel motley, especially gold dust motleys I think are gorgeous. Mm -hmm. uh, and then with Ultramel, it's, it's just because I love the variety. Like I love the variety you can get with Ultramel and I love the way they look. I've always loved that sort of yellow orange. That's not, it's not a normal. You can tell it's not a normal, but it yeah. still has the same colors as a normal. I don't know how to describe it, but always loved those. Um, and the spotted pythons were similar. Like they were just something that I tried out years ago. Wasn't sure if I was really into them, uh, but then decided that I liked them enough to continue with them. So I just have a pair yeah. now. Yeah, I think that's it. I do have a couple of other like stragglers that I will eventually breed into the flare line probably. Just like sure. all those really like those weird annery like straggler things that I have going on that was all intended to go into the flare project as new blood. And so that will probably happen next year. You know, I would love to talk a little more on the golden line. Yeah. Uh, where I, I believe uh, that popped up in caramel, right? No. Okay. That was so wild was, caught. Where, where was it wild caught? From? I believe it was in South Carolina. Yeah. I don't, it was, it was one of the Carolinas, but I think it was South Carolina. I, um, I would I would venture to say South Carolina. Say what? You, oh, go ahead, Justin. You first. I said all the good stuff comes out of South Carolina. Pretty Come much. On now. Corn, corn mecca, man. <laughs> South Carolina is pretty pretty okay for corn snakes and corn snakes specifically. That's the world. Else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in that golden line, you know, and this is just me thinking about there. There's also a locality element to all of these lines, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we look at diffuse. They come from Keys lineage animals. Uh, and, and they maybe are not as easy to start, start feeding because they want a nose. I wonder, and this would just be me thinking out loud. And this may have already been thought about is that golden line wanting to brewmate for longer. Once to start hitting those 55 degrees for four months, like I do for my alternas or my black pines. Uh, you know, we, there, there's an element to maybe they don't, maybe they don't want to breed because they're not ovulating. Maybe they're not ovulating because of the lineage of those animals, you know, Every little factor mm -hmm. in, in, in these in these things, because you know when I when I brewmate corns, uh, I don't brewmate them like I do my king snakes. Right, and I I definitely see certain lineages, some of Miami stuff, some of my my diffuse stuff immediately breeds. I mean, I could probably breed breed them in the middle of July, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And and so now you know, having hearing you talk about that and knowing they're from 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 what would be kind of considered a, a more, or like more temperate climate yeah more northern yeah. more the climate you know south of the mason dixon line i get that but you know uh you, you know you would want to say what if maybe there's there's you know there's tricks and, and, and things we we could still try to, to to help push that and maybe maybe those females just need to brumate a little longer maybe those males aren't producing good sperm because they're not uh brumating long enough uh, and you know that there's there's little little ticks in there that you know these animals still came from somewhere, mm -hmm. right? Well, and, and they're all very closely related to wild caught because the matriarch was a wild caught female, and right. then it was her son 
that was the father of all of my possible hats. Ah. So uh, their their grandma was wild caught, and so and and her grand and their grandpa. Um, well, no, I guess that's not that's not true. Maybe it is. Yeah, I'm trying to remember like the family tree. So they had the wild caught female, and they caught a male in the same area bred the two of them together and i had one of those babies and i i figured out which one it was because i looked at the patterns of all the baby snakes from the pictures and this the the male that i had that was a het um and i figured out which one it was so he's he's old like he's yeah. he's super old um but he is still breeding for his new owner they have produced uh actual visual golden so i mean at the very least the um, gene mutation itself is preserved and being reproduced. Um, but I just kept my little my little pair that I really enjoy. The The reason that I get caramel motleys out of mine is because it was a test breeding between the Het Golden and Caramel to see if they were the same uh. mutation. And so they were sort of like unwanted after that. After it was found out they were different mutations, um, it's like we don't want to mix Caramel and Golden. So like everybody is just pawning these off to other people because they didn't want to deal with the caramel and the golden at the same time. I, however, did not care. I just wanted <laughs> to do what I could do. And uh, that's what I'm doing. Uh, it, but yeah, it, it, you it, might it, be on to something though. It, you know, those, those little things exist in this. Like I said, they, they exist in this hobby that we, maybe we don't necessarily think about it. Oh, it's coursing, right? It's, yeah, right. But, you know, you start working with some of these North Carolina, uh, South Mountain Corns. Uh, I, I've got a, I got a pair from Chris Montrose. Uh, mm -hmm. They have to brumate a lot longer, and they're small snakes. You know, they're three foot max. They're little little tiny montane corns, and, and so okay. you know, there, there's little 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 idiosyncrasies to each of these morphs. I, and I think I think a lot of that stuff may actually be you know genetically inherited. Uh, yeah, so for sure. Might be something to, to investigate and and and. Would love to hear in the future if, if maybe that is a thing, you know? And yeah, yeah. It, you know, you get a lot of these big, I say big breeders, we're not big breeders, but there are other people that may work with that morph and just don't even consider that. I, I've yeah. got 300 pairs going this year. I don't know why these things don't breed. This is a, it's, a dead, it's a dead project. Well, you know, maybe it's not. Maybe you need to put a little bit more uh, uh, complexity into it and, and see what happens. Yeah, I, and I, I hope that that's all it is because um, – I, I do have a Het Golden male, a known Het Golden, um, but he is he was a young 2020 that I got from Joe Pierce, and he's uh, he was not ready to breed this year, unfortunately. Next year, hopefully, he's such an annoying little picky eater. But again, it could be <laughs> it because his you know his grandma was the same snake, you know, yeah. uh, so like. You just don't know what different snakes are going to need as an individual. And I found out that this boy really likes quail and that's fine with me. I have quail. I can get yeah. quail um, and he'll just eat it. Uh, but as far as mice, no interest, rats, no interest, but he doesn't mind quail. So that's what we're sticking with right now. And, um, and I'm like, you know, it's, it can be annoying because it's like, we don't want snakes that are picky, but like, you know, like you said, they, because they're from, you know, they're more wild, they, especially these ones that are more closely related to the wild. They, they have their 
diet that their ancestors, yeah. very near ancestors, exactly. were used to. And um, we've been trying to feed them something completely different. We're trying to uh, take something straight from the wild and expect it to act like it's always been in captivity. It's like if we took a wolf from the wild and expected that wolf's like grandchildren to just like not have any instincts. And that's not how that works. You you have exactly. to accommodate to the animal as well. You know, we, we, we can, we can corn, corn snakes are not different than a lot of other North American colubrids. They have a massive range, right? Mm -hmm. If we look at the Gutatus oh, yeah. complex, uh, I, I say it all the time. The, the pine barrens down to where I'm at here in South Texas, we have Gutatus complex animals all the way over to West Texas, all the way back up into Colorado, right? Mm -hmm. we, we look at that complex and we just say, oh, they're, they're just all the same, you know, we're <laughs> you know, 55 to 60, hell, you don't even need to brumate them. You do it for a couple months. They're going to breed on yeah. their own. A, a wind comes by. Well, <laughs> uh, you know what? Maybe maybe that is true of the inherent animals that we've been breeding since 1972. Yeah. I, I, I get I get that. Yeah. Maybe from uh, 1930s when corn snakes were bred in uh, small private collections at colleges and stuff like that. I think, I don't, do, uh, Sarah, would you even, uh, you may know this. Do you know the first captive breeding of corn snakes uh no i do know what the first like mutation that was proven but i don't know like what the first actual breeding was i i believe and i'm i was hoping you were gonna know i maybe that's something that we, we need to investigate and find out i believe it was in the early 1920s in a zoo because there's that yeah. sounds about right like it sounds like that's what would happen but it's probably that dragon traders book that I have. I'll have to look for right. It. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. something from Florida. Year-round breeding. They had two in the yeah. same cage. They got eggs. You know, something, something yeah. like that. But yeah, it, you know, we 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 spend so much time simplifying these animals because they are they're 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 easy going. They're the great first pets. But what if we look at them a little more constructively and say, okay, all right, well, let's let's start putting this akin to you know king snakes and, and some of these milk snakes and stuff that they don't want to eat right now we've got to start scenting foods with maybe more odd things than just a nose or boiled yeah. cookies and, and then maybe we start changing brumation times maybe we start changing light cycles maybe we, maybe they breed uh you know uh south carolina it is temperate we we, we immediately say south carolina and we think about the okatee lineage stuff maybe it's maybe it's something like that uh yeah. So yeah, that's 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 awesome. I'm so glad that somebody like you is working with 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 uh, that lineage of animals. Uh, just so our listeners know, what what is a what does a golden corn snake look like? A stock corn snake with golden. Uh, can you repeat that? You were cutting out just a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, just a, just a regular everyday uh, wild caught corn snake that has the golden morph. What would that look like? Uh, they look like they look a little bit like caramels uh, as an adult, but a little bit more shiny. Uh, so if you, um, there's, it's really hard to describe, but they have this uh, sort of reflection to their scales that we don't see in a lot of the captive bred corn snakes. And um, so it really looks like at least the, the photos that you see online of the original female that was caught. It looked, I mean, they, she just looks like she is coated in a layer of, of gold. Like she really wow. does with just like, you can just see her black pattern. She just, it looks like it, it looks like a prank, to be honest. Like you look at <laughs> wow. it and you don't think it's real because it literally looks like someone took a corn snake and dipped it in gold and then like drew Okatee lines so that it would look like an Okatee corn snake. Uh, let me see. I see my caramel videos hey, popped up there. <laughs> um, go down. 
Uh, I'm assuming you typed in golden corn snake. I can't really see it. Top, yeah, golden morph. Uh, keep going. There's another one of my logos. Or not logos, <laughs> but like videos. Hey, uh, no, you shot up the see, Sarah's this is <laughs> so like Google sucks. Hey, there's yeah. another one of my videos. <laughs> I'm having a suck, great time. Girl. If you're getting um, let's go. You know what I, mean? I guess that's true. Um, look up. Uh, I know it's on kingsnake.com. So um, if you type in golden corn snake, and then while you guys look at this, I've got to step aside for one second. I'll be yeah, right back. Sure. Just type in golden corn snake without the word morph after it. I don't know what I can't read what's up what's up there because it's so tiny on my screen. But just golden corn snake and see what pops up there. Hey, I see another one of my snakes. That's one I just sold the other day. Okay, there they are. So those first one, two, three, four, five photos are all of the original oh. female golden, I believe. And none of those are my photos, by the way. In case anyone's wondering, I've never actually held a visual golden in my hands that I it was sure was a golden. Um, I think that I hatched one or two in a clutch, but I was never able to prove them out. Mm. So when I look at that, especially that second photo, to me that literally looks like it doesn't exist. Yeah, it looks like bronze. Yeah. Um, it looks like someone took a corn snake and just like coated it in a layer of gold. Um, I hate the, the name golden, but, um, I think it suits it at the very least. Mm. So yeah, kind of looks like a really shiny caramel corn snake. That's a little bit darker, uh, mm -hmm. than just your average caramel. Most caramels have a bit more of a bright color to them, but these are more of like a deep gold. And when they're babies, they look more like anneries. Uh, sometimes, you know, caramels will look like an annery a little bit when they hatch, but like I can look at a baby caramel and be like, yep, that's a caramel. Uh, but the goldens, you look at them and as babies, they supposedly look like anneries instead of like caramels. Huh. So, so it blows out the red. It, 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 it. Yep. Red doesn't exist. And um, it seems, I don't know. It, it does very similar things to, as caramel, though. So I think it's very, it, it is as similar to caramel as charcoal is to anery type A. Ah, okay. So, so it falls on that spectrum of yeah. uh, erythrin deleted. and Okay. Mm -hmm. So that, that is an example of a golden? That is a golden. That is the original wild-caught female. It's a pretty snake. <laughs> yeah. And I was just saying, it looks like it looks like a prank. It looks like somebody photoshopped. Yeah gold onto a corn snake but you know, that's you know old 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 man keeper me says man that looks like a that looks like a high yellow caramel you know what I mean? <laughs> it kind of does though that's wow that is really neat even the tail i, I like the little sunspots going down the back of the tail it's really it's yeah and animal. that that pattern continues in her lineage um her her son that i got had those and um, even some of the grandkids and great grandkids of hers have those cool little spots like that. Um, I don't think that's necessarily an indicator of golden, but it is. It is really cool to see how well that pass that specific thing passes on. So that's really is, neat. This says Northeast North Carolina. There you go. Yep. Couldn't remember if it was north or south. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. 
on Kingsnake. I'm not sharing because I'm afraid the uh, Kingsnake got hacked uh, a while ago, and it was uh, oh. pretty explicit. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that's a. It was we'll hide funny, that. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that cybersecurity. Got to keep up with it, man. Yeah, I'm they'll sure get you. Their, their website's so old; it's probably not that hard to, to hack. I'd imagine. But. Yeah. Yeah, that's another. I worry about that with the forums too, because those old forums, if somebody got into them, like, mm -hmm. who knows the damage that could be done? Because like, that's where I get most of my information is the cornsnakes.com forum. Um, and like, you know, I don't, I, I don't ever want people to think that I'm just like plagiarizing and copying and pasting, but that's where the history is. Like, right. you know, and I'm going to quote someone and not paraphrase whenever possible, yeah. uh, because like, that's their experience. They put that out there for a reason. So like, it, it, you it's, know. it's, you know, you, you just said something there and it kind of like triggers me a little bit. History is literally, it's it's about copying and and, and, yep. and, and and to some extent, I guess some plagiarism exists. You know, if we're <laughs> gonna go word for word. How how is somebody that doesn't even know what a forum is gonna know something that was wrote in nineteen ninety seven by a at that time se I'm just gonna throw out a number, seventy two year old person that it it, it, it it like I said, you're translating. And, mm -hmm. and, and there has to be some level of give and take on that. Of course, we all we all have to deal with that. But when, when, when somebody asked me how to take care of a gargoyle gecko, which I've kept for I've kept them for 15 years or so. Yeah. My experiences are plagiarized from somebody else. Right. Like I didn't decide how to take care of these animals through experience. I knew how to take care of them because it had already been done. Reptiles right. Magazine had already explained to me how to how to keep, breed, feed, you know, and, and just have things changed, have things evolved. Damn yeah, you bet. Yeah. And, and but it's it's part of the you don't get evolution, you don't get progression without examining past literature or experiences or 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 verbiage or or you know, like I said, tri tribal knowledge does not exist outside of a tribe. Right. right? So. If, if you if you want to know about anyways, like I said, <laughs> I, I, I I'll pontificate on this all night long. It's, it's, I'll, I will get I will get deep in. Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna we've been talking about the golden. I'm gonna ask you some questions about your Halo project. Okay, and this this is a personal question probably. Is there any relation to Halo uh, to Green Blotch? Uh, we've been talking yeah. about Green Blotch uh, snows. And we've been talking about halo snows and this this is kind of you find a lot of this in the snow annery complex is there a relation to the two uh to my from okay so from my breeding trials and this has been you know 12 years of breeding uh they are i believe the same mutation they are a mutation for sure uh and that is either complete uh either dominant or incomplete dominant so um my my initial like thought was maybe this is recessive. Um, did uh, who like five or six different breeding trials with different pairs, uh, some that had produced goldens and or not goldens, halos. Uh, found out it's not recessive. It's definitely either dominant or incomplete dominant. Uh, and green blast is in there. Uh, so my uh, belief at this current time, with the information that I have, is that it is incomplete dominant, with halo being the heterozygous form and green blotch being the homozygous form. Uh, uh, so essentially, um, sort of like uh, I don't know uh, how much genetics y'all understand, but um, 
if you have a green blotch and you breed it to a normal snow with no you know yellow in the borders you'll get all halos and that's how you know if you breed like an amel to an ultra you get all ultra mels similar concept um and so if you breed two halos together you'll have a chance of getting both green blotched normal snows and then also halos as well and i have done that breeding many times over and that is always what i end up with i always end up with about 25 percent normal snows about 25 percent green blotch and then about 50 percent halos so uh the only like wrench that was thrown into it was in 2020 i bred a green blotch to a completely normal no yellow snow and yes all of the snows were halo but one of the females that i held back looks kind of like a green blotched so i can't tell yet she hasn't all of her colors haven't quite come in yet she still has room to grow uh so i'm like if she is definitely a green blotched then i have to rethink this whole thing and it's probably just dominant and the two of them are just variations of each other because you know i mean corn snakes can vary of everything from a pinstripe motley to a hurricane motley so like motley's yeah. obviously vary and so it could be that green blotched is just a dominant mutation that varies uh in so much as it either can go through the entire saddle including the borders or just be spread out to only the borders so it's either one or the other the thing is i've never seen anything in between the two I, I feel yeah. like it's not a variation because you don't have something that might, you know, kind of look green blotched, right. but not be, or, but you know, it's like, it's either green blotched or it's halo. Like, so it is my there's current belief. There's never a median. Right. It's not there. Yeah, there's nothing really in between. So it's my belief at this current time that it is incomplete dominant with green blotched being the um, homozygous version the super version of the mutation and then halo being the heterozygous version of the mutation interesting so uh last 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 episode we had we had uh dr travis wyman on here and we were talking about specific genetics and uh -huh. how certain things can be a maybe a little bit more complex than we thought i wonder you know he was talking about maybe instead of it being one pair of uh and god i'm Definitely not a scientist. Uh, <laughs> either. One pair of genes. Uh, looking at Mendelian genetics, we look at Mendelian genetics as a simple uh, four square, uh, four item Punnett square. Mm -hmm. And he said it could be at, at, at maximum, you know, 30s, 40s of different, you know, what if what if it's one of these situations where, uh, you know, we're breeding these snakes. We don't, we, uh, Sarah, you, me, Justin couldn't have hundreds of animals that were just sitting there breeding back together, breeding back together, breeding back together. And it may be one of these situations where it's more complex than maybe mm -hmm. it takes two dominant genes, uh, six recessive genes to really express yeah. that phenotype. And, and goodness, what, uh, you know, may, again, we're, we're like, we're talking about the, the lineage of these animals being a little bit more complex. Maybe, maybe we can get into a situation where even the genetics of these animals are more complex than we're thinking right on the surface. Right. And especially with the lines that I've been working with, um, there is that like a yellow jacket mutation that floats mm -hmm. around in caramel lines that often goes unnoticed. And so maybe possibly like all of these green blush that I'm getting are halo plus yellow jacket or, uh... you know, like, and, and that's not something that I've like tried to prove or disprove because that has not been something that I've, um, like put into the cards. Does that make sense? It's not, it's not something yeah, that I've known was really in the cards. Um, and I don't know for sure if, you know, cause I, I, I have two actual lines of halos that were completely unrelated from each other, but both of them had a caramel in their lineage. One of them had a caramel motley and then one of them had a gold dust motley. 
And so uh, it could be that there's some yellow jacket floating around in there somewhere. Um, I don't know. I did prove that both of those two separate halo lines were the same mutation. So um, it's it's a mutation and it's not, a lot of people might think that it's all just caramel or maybe it's all just yellow jacket. However, we do see these in like very pink and red coral snows as well. So um, that negates the, like it has to be a yellow jacket thing because we see it in coral snows that have never, as far as we can tell, ever had caramel in the line. JMG um, line stuff. Once yeah, you start like- and once they start compounding it, because I have I have JMG line stuff, and 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 I and I have a snow that's definitely green, like it's oh yeah, unquestionably got green in it. Yeah, and and it's like very distant from that. Well, I say distant from that lineage. I mean, how how many generations have we actually had? Right? Uh, yeah. Who knows? Who and, knows? And, and, and my snakes down here in South Texas, your snakes. Uh, I'm assuming you live in Antarctica. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, uh, it basically but, is like it's Indiana, so like it can be whatever state it wants, whenever it wants to be. It's just, Indiana could just—I didn't even know that was a state. I'm dumb. <laughs> uh, but, Listen, but it's in the Midwest. That's all you need to know. That's it. But these 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 snakes get transported all over the place, and there's you know we 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 get this complex idea of lineage and genetics, and and we we see you know 200 different morphs and and. Well, when we really start looking at it with that 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 really uh, that eye of like, okay, so what's really happening here? Now we're micro, we're getting down to the micro micro uh, set of it. Um, well, wait, so there's a chance that your snakes are related to my snakes, which are related to uh, um, definitely related to Justin's snakes. And, you know, and there's, man, there's so much of that that could be going on. And yeah, I don't know. That's really that's really interesting and, and, and fun to see. And, Ah, it's exciting, right? Like, let's, yeah. let's keep going. Let's keep doing it. Let's, let's yeah. see what happens. And I mean, ultimately, like, all caramels go back to one baby that mm-hmm. hatched. Or yeah. or I guess, like, one female that had caramel babies. Uh, so, like, yeah, anything with caramel in it, it's all related. And, and, and Buff and Toffee both came out of caramel lines. Uh, so, who knows? Who who knows, really, with what all is related to what but we know that all caramels are related to each other all buffs are related to all caramels and all toffees are related to all of both of those so like who knows how far that goes Mm -hmm. and you know people could get a a toffee and think that maybe it's just an emrise hybrid or something because they do have that similar like brown weird look to them and just be like oh yeah i'm gonna sell this as a creamsicle or a root beer and then that turns into you know, who knows what down the line where you have this dominant mutation that's just being passed around and nobody knows what it is. They just know it looks a little different. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's insane. And I mean, we, that's, that's that way. That's the way it is with every morph though. Like yeah. every morph stems back to like one snake, every, and, pretty and, much every morph that we have. And we can't sit here and think they all, they don't all come from wild got snakes. Right. And what if Sally Sue uh, bought a, corn snake at a show and maybe two corn snakes raised them up and bred them because she left them together and she popped out a morph didn't even know it that yeah. animal goes on to be in another collection hopefully and, and well raised and breeds and now, wow now we have all of these animals that have this phenotype that we you know so it's it's it's, it's, yeah. it's kind of the very interesting thing of this hobby subsected into corn snakes that uh you know we it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> There's a it lot. It is. It on. is a lot. Corn snakes are a lot. Yeah. The corn snakes are a lot. It's it's a it's almost stressful. 
right? Like, it is. For you, it, it can is. Be. I'm sure it is. Like, <laughs> um, you know, the thing with morphs for me is that it's so second nature to me yeah. to see these patterns. Uh, and I, you know, I took statistics in college and got an A without even trying because I already knew all this stuff about genetics. And yeah. it was just like, it's just a thing that I just knew. And yeah. I can look at morphs and be like, yeah, that definitely has that mutation in it somewhere. Or no, that definitely does not have that mutation in it anywhere. Uh, and, you know, and, and I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. There's definitely been times when I've missed a mutation, especially like mask. Because like it's such a subtle mutation, mask it's is not, so hard to deal with. Yeah, if it's not like blatantly obvious, like a lot of times I miss it, and someone will be like, "Hey, what about this?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's there too, I guess." Um, <laughs> so like, you know, so but even though it is work, I'll tell you like what the thing that's the most work is actually editing videos. If I could just sit oh, down yeah. and like talk then yeah. I'm fine. Obviously, like I, I'm so long winded. It is super hard for me to get a video under 20 minutes, like any video. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that but the, and so the hardest part is editing, like I can sit down and talk forever. And but then like having to sit down and like, listen, first of all, listen to my own voice is never a, a pleasant experience for most people. And then I have to actually chop out anytime that I'm like, uh, I don't know what I'm saying, or oh, I have to go refer to this book or, um, you know, I'm dyslexic. So a lot of times words will come out as like, words that don't exist and i have to like start over so um that's the that's the stressful part for me is oh shoot uh i was gonna have this video out at friday at 5 p.m and it is uh thursday at 5 p.m and i haven't even written the script yet that's that's the stressful part for me um the snakes themselves and the morphs i love that that's yeah. what i love that's to awesome. do so like that's that's not stress people are stressful people people can be stressful yes but that's, you know, and that's one thing that my boss has told me a thousand times over is uh, your job is easy. People are hard. <laughs> and that's that's something I always keep with me with everything that I do. It's it's the job that I'm doing is easy, but you got to learn how to deal with people. That's that's the hardest part. What, what one thing that I, I, I need to jump in and say is uh, as Sarah is, is here talking uh, about this stressful thing uh, that she's doing. Um, editing videos, putting these up on YouTube. Uh, ev everybody needs to understand that's listening to this podcast. She is doing this for free. <laughs> I um, am for the most yeah. part. I, I just got monetized. I have but made, regardless, uh, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have put up uh, almost 300 videos on my channel yeah. and I've made uh, less than $200. <laughs> Yeah. So, so it's uh, yeah. free. It's free. It's free. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's definitely uh, free for the viewer. Like, yeah, you, free you, for them. You you've invested a, a a massive part of your life that is stressful, and, and I totally agree. I know I, I know what you're going through with that, and uh, it, it, it's you know you are doing this purely out of the passion for the hobby, uh, and people people need to understand that and respect that. Like that's, that's a, a yeah. labor of love. Is labor of love. There's few things I hate more than editing videos. <laughs> I I even have all the like the five question segments and stuff. That's like a, the the raw video itself is like 20 minutes and by the time i'm done with it it's literally like 10 minutes or less like, yeah so much you wouldn't be you'd be amazed at how many like half a second or one second ums and things you end up oh yeah out. like you go cross-eyed after a while i mean i've gotten i just oh, yeah. I, I have adobe premiere honestly with the five questions things i just i just use imovie because it's so much faster i just yeah i love adobe stuff the learning curve is very steep but I'm just like, you know what? It doesn't have to be fancy. Yeah. I can burn through a video in iMovie, no problem. 
and get it done. Hey, huge yeah. shout out. Just be like me, be dumb, and just don't do any of it. Just show that up. Would, that would be awesome. <laughs> Whatever works. <laughs> uh, okay. So, what are you interested in as far as future corn snake morphs or, or, or projects? Is there anything that you want to get into? Um, as far as corn snakes go, uh, I would love to get into Terrazzo if there was any kind of demand for it. The problem is there's not. No one cares about Terrazzo. I feel why like I'm the only one on the planet that cares. What? Why do you think that is? That no one cares about Terrazzo? Yeah. Um, it's a less pretty version of Stripe, and you can breed two Motleys and get a Stripe, uh, or you can breed a Motley head Stripe with a Stripe and get Mollies and Stripes. Um, but and to some like Terrazzo, tessera, tessera exists. Tessera right. also looks very similar. Um, and yeah, I just, uh, I think that people don't really like the sort of hypomelanistic look to the terrazzo a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just never took off, I guess. And uh, I hate that because I really like the look of them, but they are one of those that, um, you know, it's like, I always know that there's going to be this one morph that I'm going to be keeping them until they're yearlings or maybe even two years old because people just don't care about them. Um, and I just have been hesitating to jump, jump in to that. Uh, maybe, maybe one day. Um, and I think I love micro scale. If I was going to get into like an expensive mutation, micro scale is the one I would go with. I just think that they're so cool and interesting. Um, I like them better than scaleless. So, uh, they'd probably be the one that I would get into if I was going with like an expensive morph. Uh, there's just not many of them in the U S there's only like two or three people who are breeding them. So. Yeah. So that leads into two questions. I'm going to, I'm going to keep on the first one with Terrazzo. Okay. One thing that I find very interesting on Terrazzo is it has not been put into everything. Uh, True. There's a lot of things that we have not seen Terrazzo with. Uh, in True. fact, we've kind of only seen a couple of breeders really work with Terrazzo. It's one of the, the newer morphs. I think it's pretty amazing because it's a recessive mutation. It's mm -hmm. very, it's exceptionally variable. Right, like it, oh yeah, a bunch of different phenotypes out of it. Uh, it it falls off of that motley uh, stripe, uh, which they're allelic, and we, we've talked about that in, in previous episodes about how yeah. motley and stripe can work together and they can work against each other. I guess uh, you know, depending on how you're trying to breed them. Uh, but would would you like to see Terrazzo in any other uh, you know base color morphs? So, so now we have a pattern morph, which Terrazzo is like a hypo and pattern morph, which I think is kind of neat. Um, yeah, and it could just be that like key's lineage. That? Um, yeah, that's the other thing. Now we're putting in lineage, and maybe we're looking <laughs> at thirty-seven different alleles yeah. instead of just two or three. Because yeah, I think Terrazzo's amazing. I like it. Uh, I like it yeah. a lot. Is there anything um, you'd like to see Terrazzo in? I think it would be cool to see like a Terrazzo micro scale. Because I mean, I do like micro scale, but like, I mean, I have seen it with lava. I've seen it with charcoal and anery. I've seen it with amel. I've seen it with caramel. I mean, so I've seen it with like most of like the like color morphs that you're gonna see. Yeah. So it's like I guess not. I mean, I've seen it. I I love though sunkissed terrazzos. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Those ones are pretty cool. And terrazzo. I recently saw terrazzo stripes in motleys and tesseras. Um, those are some of the newer combinations that I've seen. And those are really interesting because um, the Terrazzo 
um, Motley's kind of just look like stripes, if I recall correctly. Yeah. I can't remember. I did a video on Toronto. It's like a broken stripe, yeah. It's really strange. Um, yeah. So I really like. I I would I like it in more of the pattern morphs. I don't think I've seen a blood red terrazzo. If I have, I don't remember they're, they're, it. So yeah, terrazzo diffused gets you a very uh, almost like a patternless snake, and I'm yeah. kind of in love with them. It's kind okay. of weird. It, it's it's it looks like a diffused that, mm -hmm. and you would think, okay, so I have diffused. I I blow out my side patterns. I blow out my belly pattern. Now yeah. I have terrazzo, which is going to kind of break down that spinal dorsal pattern. Mm -hmm. Uh, you kind of combine the two and you, God, you get this really, really, some may say ugly. Uh, VMS produced some uh, with Castagna, which is going to be a, yep. a, a, a hypotype, if I'm correct. Uh, you know, I actually, that's, I'm on the fence with that. I did not put it in my hypotypes video because after reviewing photos of all the different lines of, of uh, Castagna, they seem to have enough melanin to not be considered a hypo i but. think i think castagna almost falls on that line of like hyper erythrism like almost more yeah. red right so it's yeah. a hypo it's like reduced black kind of a thing it's and it's almost like it it just like arranges the colors differently so like the red is focused more on the upper part of the body and then it fades more toward the tail yeah um it's so uh, it's more for me it's more of like a a color pattern morph where it like changes where the colors go instead of where yeah. the pattern goes it's, it's it is a weird yeah. morph i yeah i i but yeah so if you take the terrazzo and put it in mm -hmm. with diffused you get this gosh it's almost like a pattern yeah i would say patternless corn but it's a definitely defined uh yeah. pattern on the corn snake i would love to see that with some uh color morphs you know you start putting that for in, sure put that i mean how many you know how many diffused snows do we see none right nobody likes yeah. a diffused snow yeah because it's white it's really <laughs> like, what's, what's it gonna a, do yeah it's it's one of those things and, but if you start working with that what if you get anneries and charcoals but mm -hmm. you get those little combos i don't know there's infinite variables right yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i i <laughs> That's the I, part. <laughs> I I would love to see a you know uh, you know I, I love math so I would love to see the math broken down or maybe I need to do it someday on what how many variables are there to a phenotype on a corn snake just based on morphs it, it's going to be in the probably hundreds of thousands I believe oh probably uh, it's just with the oof. like if you take what thirty base mutations. And I mean, I could, I mean, I've done this like statistics, like I could probably get a calculator out and like figure that out, but it is a very large number. It's a very yeah. large number. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and then, and then, and then the neat thing about these snakes, and I always talk about this is we can keep compounding them and then you keep compounding them. And then goodness, you find one in your collection. Uh, let's, let's, let's shout out to Silent Hill Reptiles, something like Hannibal, an animal that just stands out. And now you have a whole lineage based on an animal and, and we could, this hobby has a lot of room to grow in that, and it's going to be. Mm. That's what I'm always curious about is what hasn't been done in corns. Yeah, like we already yeah. know that there's a ton done, but like what's? I mean, I, there may be a number to it. I don't, I don't know it, but we are scratching the surface. Yeah, I was like, surely there's a lot. Yeah. That, that and, and look at Justin, who's who's finding, done. who's finding wild corns, and bringing yeah. them into morphs, possibly even this year. And just let's see where this lineage takes us. Let's see yeah. where, and, 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 and goodness, one of the most exciting things that I think about uh, breeding wild caught snakes 
isn't necessarily my wild caught to wild caught because I have some kind of interesting Emory eye that I'm working with. It's about those F ones. What are those F ones going to do? Yeah. Right? What what where's where's that next step? And, and, and so that that it, you know a, a few people that especially like ball python people and and, and I I'm not, I'm not going to talk derogatorily about them. Uh, you know, yeah, you've got a lot of morphs, you've got a lot of, a lot of economy in, in your hobby. Uh, but us corn snake people, us people that are passionate about this, you don't even understand the possibilities of, and, and, and it's, it's one of those like infinite Dr. Strange complexities in our minds. The second we start thinking about it, we're just, we got hands all over us. And oh yeah. Dormammu's <laughs> knocking on our door. And, and it's, you know, I, 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 I was like BSing with somebody uh, a couple years ago uh, about a, a combination. I was like, Hey, you know, I have like a one in 264 chance to produce this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just this crazy wild. And I was like, you know, it, it, it's not going to happen go this generation, it. but when I put my F ones together, there's like this small chance where I could get this like six gene animal. And then I was like, wow, that almost doesn't exist. Yeah. But the amazing thing is we could put six genes into these animals and they're not going to be look like bass bait. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could have an animal that has four or five, six genes in it, and it doesn't look like a pink, white snake. You, right. You, I mean, they're, they're so, I mean, yeah, okay, diffuse blows out the sides, mask blows out the head. Okay, now I've got motley. Now I'm now I'm uh, combining my saddles. Okay, now I've got Okatee lineage. Well, Okatee lineage and motley doesn't really work together, but okay, I, I, let's not even I think do about have a, <laughs> I do? Have, that's another project. I have, I have a, I have a gold dust motley that is the closest thing to an Okatee motley anyone has ever seen, I think. And so she's going next year. She'll be she'll be three next year. She's gonna go with my extreme Okatee male. We'll see yeah. where that goes. Nice. Okay. Yeah, that, I forgot that about her. brings up a whole other thing. <laughs> and just I'm sorry, I'm derailing. Uh, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> so man. So few people spent time perfecting a morph than they did making a morph, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to be world first for this. I'm going to be world first for that. Okay, you're world first. Here's your ginormic uh, 57 likes on Facebook. Congratulations. Right. <laughs> Good uh, for hey, you. <laughs> which, hey, it, it's still an achievement. Right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we love like seeing time. what new things look like. Yeah. But what what if I worked on my line of anneries and came out with this whole new line and said, hey, look at this right and then found found out genetically what was going on uh it, it's man whew, whew. like yeah. i said i just can't i can't not be excited see the problem right. is though like i have that little four or five gene monster from you chris and it's like yeah hey when this thing gets older what the hell am i supposed to do with it <laughs> well <laughs> that's that's the good thing about a snake like that one it's a good looking snake i i think and 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 two you could kind of plug it into a bunch of different projects, right? So but then I have to uh, keep up with what comes out yeah. the other side, and that's, that's that yeah. therein lies the problem. It's like when the when the when the lineage on the ad says you know ten different heads on both sides, yeah, it ends up being like a paragraph long explanation <laughs> of what that snake is. It's, that's that due, gil due, gil due diligence. I can't say that word, but that due diligence we do as breeders and say, okay, hey, you know what? You do what you're going to do with this animal, but here, here's yeah. the lineage of it. And, and we yeah. Know yeah. It's, I mean, that, that, yeah. like that. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I was recently told by someone that I shouldn't put any possible heads in unless they are 50% or more. And I just, that did not sit right with me because I'm like, I would want to know if there was a possibility of who knows what in the background, even if it's like three or four generations back, because it still could pop up. And like, if yeah. I know, like, oh, you know what? They mentioned that this had a caramel great grandparent. Let's just see what caramel does. Like, let's just see yeah. what happens. Um, and so I, I love taking advice from people who know more than me and who have been in this hobby longer than me. I do feel like that was a bad piece of advice, though, um, because yeah. I would want, I would want to know everything, and so I want to disclose everything. And I, um, when I took that advice for the brief period of time that I took it. Uh, people came back to me and said, Hey, so I bred that snake that I got from you and I got this. And I was like, Oh yeah, that was a great grandparent. Um, I probably should have told you. And they're like, well, yeah, it would have been nice to know. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna disclose everything from here on out. Yep. Like, you know, just because other people don't do things the same way I do. Like, I just, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's, it also keeps the, the interest alive. You know, if you buy a snake that's just a normal and they just advertise it as a normal, no known heads, whatever, that's not near as interesting as, hey, this normal had two great grandparents that were these like really cool snakes, uh, but we just can't for sure say that they're hot for this. I, that's much more interesting. And right. it keeps much more Absolutely. like interest in the hobby. And, um, you know, there's, there's so many more possibilities and, you know, I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I, where I was going with that, but it's just sort of this, you never know what you're going to get. And so I would want to know everything. There, There's a, uh, goodness, I, I remember talking to Justin about this the first time we ever talked. There, There's a boutique uh, feeling to, if if I, I breed snakes, and maybe I have 10, 15 clutches this year, but I want to promote and, and sell and produce and uh, push out my animals with this boutique feeling. Right. Whereas I'm giving you every bit of knowledge yeah. that I have on this animal. Now, I don't necessarily do feeding cards and I don't and I'm yeah. not saying there's anything wrong with people to do that. I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, yeah. For me, but it, lineage, uh, where did these animals come from? Uh, where were the parents produced by? You know, if yeah. you know, I've got I've got some old my, my, my main my main male and I, he's my favorite snake that I have. And I produced a clone of him not last year, but the year before, which is great. He's an ultra male motley uh, Tessera, which is Ooh. a really neat combination of it is. stuff because he's very if you look at him, his name's Mac. He's very monotone and very basic and very orange. It looks like an Everglades rasnake. He's massive. Yeah. He, homie, I got him in I got him in. 2015 i want to say 2015 something like that and he was already an adult and he was already over four feet and homie will <laughs> literally breed a water bowl in a heartbeat in the middle of july i love him. And he's he's the nice guy but he was produced by smr and far as far as i know he was produced by smr in 2010 or something like that but i have his lineage and i know his head and it's yeah. it's neat that all of his little babies i i get to i get to uh you know not every bigger breeder, and I will say that SMR is a bigger breeder, uh, or at one point in time was, uh, didn't always keep track of the heads. But I found out he was head anery, right? Yeah. Which is neat. I, I've gotten to make some some ultra male anneries and, 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 and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, a pos head, if it's a, even a tiny little, you know, let, let's, let's, the more we push that ideology of lineage, the more important 
it will become. I'm, yeah, and that's, yeah. I'm really surprised it's not like in Condros, it's it's everywhere. Like lineage matters, you know, and then yeah. like Condro people are the best at keeping track of that stuff. Like we'll keep track of that information going all the way back to like the 70s and 80s. Absolutely, wow, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, and so oh, you know, I usually... you know the family tree is is goes way back. And people do that religiously in condos. I always wondered, like, I was always surprised that that wasn't more popular in stuff like horns and balls, yeah. where you know you think that stuff would be extra important because you're dealing with so many different moving parts. Um, you know, condos. We're just talking about like we're, you know, lineage. Like, it's not even yeah. necessarily. It's not morphs. It's not any of that. It's just like this comes from blue line tiger stuff. Whatever. Like. There isn't all these different hats. There's there's not all this other stuff, you know, with condors. Yeah. It's just like this goes all the way back to Trooper Walsh when he first brought, you know, first bred condors in, you know, late seventies, mid seventies, whatever. But that's just not for whatever reason it's not a thing here. But that is something that I've started to do, like with all the stuff I have from you, Chris. You know, I got pictures of the parents. I put them in a in a in a document size thing on Canva and write down the information of what the parents were and like started the tree thing because I want to do the same thing with that kind of stuff because it's like yeah. it's also yeah. neat to be able to go back and track those kinds of things too. But it, I, I started doing that too for customers, especially customers who asked. They're like, hey, do you know anything? I was like, I know everything. Mm -hmm. Here you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and you know so, what? Not every customer is going to want that. Right? Yeah, that's not, okay. some people don't care, but some people are like, I want to know what the parents and the grandparents and the great grandparents and like, and so I give them all the information I can as far back as I can with photos and like what the snake's name was and when they were hatched and what they, you know, if they, I don't always remember what they ate because like some of these snakes, like I said, were back in 2011, 2012 and I'm like, probably mice, you know, I mean, it's been 10 <laughs> years, but um, so yeah. Uh, I I like doing that, and I like keeping track of that, and that's one that's one reason that I name my snakes. I actually had a conversation with someone the other day, like, do you name all of your animals or not? And I do partially because like I want to have that connection with them, but another reason is it helps me keep track of clutches. I theme my clutches, so I have the yellow flower clutch, the um, like color green clutch, I have the like Minecraft clutch, I have the YouTubers clutch. So that's I have, awesome different clutches that are named after certain things and I can keep track of who's the parent. So like, uh, you know, like I know that Ingot, who is a part of my Minecraft clutch is going to be the father of my possible head halos this year. And that helps me keep track, you know, yeah. That's um, awesome. other condor people do that, do that too. You know, it's, yeah. Like there are flagship animals though, just like Hannibal, you know, in yeah. Condor, there's animals that you see that in the lineage and there's mm -hmm. already like, a notoriety to it almost you know it's like you see something yeah. that has mr blue is like the famous condro and so you see mr blue and a lineage or like carolina or like some of these other ones it's like you know that it's legit because it's you see the see the lineage itself and it goes back to him you know that's awesome and having the names and then like people memorize the names of these snakes like there's yeah. snakes that aren't even around anymore like condros that have long passed but everyone remembers you know, Diablo and some of these other ones. Like it's almost, it's like thoroughbreds in a, in a, in a sense, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely. For sure. It's, it's, if it's you breed, that no one else adopts that. If you breed and you're in my house, you get a name. You know yep. what I mean? Same. With the exception yep. of Everglades rat snakes. 
Hey, huge shout out to my Everglades Rattlesnakes. You guys can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> That's how I felt about my California Kings. I was like, no, you suck. You are asshole and bitch. Those, those are your names. <laughs> every, I mean, every time I open, I, I cohab my Everglades. I love them. They're gorgeous. But every time I open that tub, there's a hook in the other hand, and my kid's not allowed to be in the room because they yep. just come flying out. It's 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 a it's a, a poo poo show every time. And and but yeah, there's. And, and you know what? Not everybody needs to be on. And, and, and I will I will admit there's we we think that this is important and we, we press this is important and, and we're, we're reaching a lot of ears. Uh, I think Justin told me uh, I think he had 14, 15 million listeners last episode. Wow. So it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but the big box stores, right? Like obviously there's there's breeders for the big box stores and there, there's breeders that just don't care. Right. Like I breed yeah. mistakes and I make money. And, and yeah. that's, that's fine. They have a place. And, and yeah. those animals get into people's collections, and, and, and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, but if you're getting an animal from me, you, mm-hmm. you get a part of me. I, yes, I, exactly. I, I, I send you a couple of blood with every order. <laughs> hey, if, you, if certain species, it might be. It might uh, actually, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, there's, there's these neat little things that we get to – and that's that boutique feeling. Right. I yeah, want yeah. you to feel like you got an animal from Chris Bain Shop or, or Sarah's Snake Shop or, or, or Justice Smith. Like you got a snake from me. And, and, and you know what? Let's look at let's look at other species. Let's let, let's think about a uh, Thera, uh, Lampropeltis leonis. Uh, every single serious breeder of variable king snakes will literally be like, this is a bloody pinner to a vivid MSP. That was bred to it, and they will literally go back to like 1970. Yeah, and it's yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah, you know this 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 lineage information because these animals. I understand why these animals haven't been brought into the hobby since 1984. The Lacey Act, uh, I believe it was 1984. Might be dumb. Who knows? Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. you know you can't bring them into the country. But that lineage is so important. There's nothing that's okay. been bred. Okay, well let's do it with animals from America. Right. Let's do it from animals that I wild caught. Uh, You know, maybe I don't need to call them my line because they're maybe not. Maybe if I work on it for a couple more generations, I can say this is my line of animals. And I feel like us as in-betweeners don't really want to put our name on anything. Right. Like this isn't the Sarah Moore line of halos. And, and we have a difficulty in doing that. And that's because we have so much admiration and respect for these people that have done it before. Mm-hmm. But in all actuality, how many uh, y- young men, young women, young girls out there watching YouTube that, that are going to sit there with their halo snow and say that this snake is from Sarah Moore, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and the only reason that exists in their collection is because they found you. They, they yeah. found you on YouTube. You know, and hell, we just Googled like – golden corn snake and, and so so that, that's a big deal you know you, yeah. so anyways all right all right okay i got we got we got some got some hard-hitting questions there we're gonna start hitting some hard pressing stuff okay you're talking about you're talking about micro scale earlier what's yeah. your uh you know what's your personal opinion on scale is uh i don't care about it uh <laughs> like in the best you way <laughs> there it is you heard it here first everyone i like okay i I think that it is nice. And honestly, I am so grateful for it because of Lavender. Uh, I actually just filmed my Lavender reboot video today and it'll go up on Friday. Um, you know, um, shameless plug, I guess. 
And because of scaleless, we know what lavender is now. We would not know without it. We would not have suspected without it. Uh, so lavender is inherently hypomelanistic, but it's not a pigment mutation. It is a scale mutation. It prevents us from seeing the skin color. And without scaleless, we would never know that a lavender under those scales is actually red. And so really? I'm so grateful that we have scaleless because we are finding things out about different morphs that we never would have known otherwise. Um, but I, I am indifferent to it otherwise. Um, I don't think that it's like an inherently bad thing. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, people were uh, euthanizing the original amelanistics because it was a mutant, you know? So it's like they were only for studying in labs. They weren't something that you were supposed to ever like own because they were mutants. And yeah. so people, a lot of people have a similar feeling about scaleless because how can you have a snake without scales? And it's like, well, how do you have a snake without melanin, you know? So it's like, it's the same thing. Yeah. So um, I don't, I have no interest in the, in having them, breeding them, touching them, looking at them. Like, I just don't, I could care less that they exist, except I am happy for what they have done for the hobby. And they also helped continue spark interest in the hobby as well. Because oh, yeah. I kind of remember when they became popular, um, corn snakes were kind of like a dying hobby a little bit. Not, not like dying, dying, but um, that really helped spark more interest for a lot of people seeing this like, extra weird thing but then because they looked into that extra weird thing they found out all of these other cool and also kind of weird things that they might actually be interested in so um i think that it's a positive for the hobby i i think that as long as they're well taken care of i don't care do what you want um you know that's that's it that's how i feel about it it's a it's a like a plus one for me i i, I will honestly admit without the invigoration of the scaleless corns in like, you know, that 2006, 2009 era is yeah. kind of like there. Uh, I feel like the, the, the corn snake hobby, because we're starting to see a lot of people. So people breeding in 2022, uh, people breeding in 2020, let's say 2015 era is when corn snakes started picking up again, maybe 2013. <clears throat> a lot of that was uh, proliferated by the scaleless gene yeah right uh you know this was not looked at by ball python guys by retake guys by the guys that were getting their names out it wasn't in, uh, you know how many times were were morph deep dives looked at in reptiles magazine hey yo reptiles magazine hit me up you know if you guys want to know <laughs> uh, but but in in, in 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 you needed something shocking Right. Yeah. This was such a you now it is a hybrid. We know that it immediately came from Emory Eye. Uh, we know the uh, microscale didn't though. Microscale did not. Yeah. And 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 so and we'll, we'll we'll maybe uh, yeah we'll circle it back. That's fine. Yeah, we'll circle back on microscale because that's a very interesting thing that kind of is not. It's just passed over. We will put it with terrazzo, right? Like your microscale terrazzo is anyways. Anyways, we'll get there. Uh, but yeah, without the scaleless corns, there's a lot of people that. I mean, there's even people I know personally that wouldn't even have gotten into corn snakes if there wasn't a scaleless corn snake. Right. Right. We had scaleless Texas rats, and we all realized that Texas rats are absolute giant pieces of shit. And <laughs> as a person who finds them, I, I love them. They're gorgeous snakes. They're beautiful, but they, they all suck. They were all six foot long. They all wanted to kill you, and, and they have four, four eggs at a time, maybe not. Uh, <laughs> And then they were like, okay, well, look, here's this emery eye that's scaleless. There are zero 
Scaleless Emery Eye in the hobby because as far as I know, and this is just me going back on lineage and doing a little deep dive on my own, it immediately got put into court snakes. Yeah, right? that was, was the like, first oh thing it God. did. Yeah, the yeah. Taught us complex animal. And now we can kind of look at corn snakes and say that we have corn snakes in the wild and we have, you know, a wild lineages and, you know, we have our uh, red zeppelins and stuff like that that are wonderful yeah. animals. Yeah. But red zeppelins are amazing. And uh, Yeah, they're beautiful. But we have hobby corns, right? Yeah. And, 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 and the, like you've uh, talked about many times in your videos, uh, some of these animals have questionable pasts and, and yeah. you know, whether I... I have a little bit of, it would take a lot of work to make certain, you know, Tesseras or something to actually look like a corn snake. That's my opinion. You would have to breed a California king snake Newport morph into a corn snake for many generations to make it look like a corn snake again. And that's how I feel on it, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, but yeah, so you have a Gatotas complex animal. You're immediately putting it into corn snakes. Why would you not? It's a cash cow. I understand. We like money. And so, yeah, but if it was not, I, I would honestly say the corn snake hobby, which is definitely invigorated now, like it's people yeah. are, 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 are drooling over corn snakes again, kind of wouldn't have happened without scaleless. And one yeah. of the things that I found so amazing about scaleless now, it's kind of petering out a little bit. Yeah. It, it kind of lost its like spark. People who wanted it got it. People who didn't want it still don't care about it. So we're there. Yeah. I'll always say some of the most beautiful corn snakes I've ever seen are scales. Like it's oh, amazing. For sure. for sure. Maybe that maybe that's not going to be in my collection. I'm a little indifferent about it. But yeah, it's such a, a weird thing that happened. Anyways, there's another morph that I did want to talk to you about kind of along the same lines. What are your what are your thoughts and feelings about Palmetto corn snakes? Oh similar. Very similar. Um, I think that they are cool, but I also do not care about them. Uh, it, and it's like, I think that they were really interesting when they first came out. And again, sure. it was another one of those things that really like lit a spark under, you know, the fire of the corn snake community. Um, people were like, what do you mean I can get this like white spotted, like calico looking snake? Uh, and I I did like them because at the time I did have my calico Chinese beauties and similar look, not exactly the same, but similar. Uh, so I thought that they were interesting, and I remember being very excited when they were proven out. Um, but uh, it just was never something that I like. I don't. I don't think it's a hybrid. I don't. Again, even if it was, I'm not really sure how much it matters at this point. Right. There's a lot of hybrids in this hobby, like Ultra hybrid. Uh, you know, Scaleless hybrid. Uh, even if Tessera was a hybrid, like at this point. You know, like what? What's hobby, it really matter? Domesticated animals, yeah. Yeah, and it's the same thing with palmetto. So, like, I I don't necessarily believe it's a hybrid. To me, it looks like corn enough. Um, and the fact that they found like a couple in the same area, but one of them had already been like killed, um, kind of tells me that it probably was just like, uh, you know, I mean, it happens where you you have two corn snakes and you breed them, and then you hatch like five or six of these weird morphs you know i mean that's what happened with kathy loves uh sun kissed. it's mm -hmm. like she's breeding these okatees and then one day there's like a bunch of sun kissed. so uh it happens and it has happened in the wild and i just i don't necessarily think it's a hybrid and i don't 
really care if it is. I think that they're really cool. I don't think I'll ever breed them though because of the eye issue. Um, Inherent kind of genetic yeah. degradation. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to go away. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. The same, I did this whole video on why it's not going to go away. And the gist of it is like the same mutation that causes the leucism uh, is, well, I guess I should say the gene that causes um, or like controls where the pigment goes also controls how many cells go into the eyeballs. Yeah. And so if you mutate that, uh, it can affect the eyeballs and it has in, yeah. and you know, so it doesn't all the time, but it does seem to like, if you, just from like anecdotal evidence from people that I've talked to, if you have one that has the big eyes and you breed it, its offspring are more likely to have the big eyes, but uh, it's not necessarily like if they don't have big eyes, they're less likely. Like it's pretty much you're, you're going to get it. It's not going to go away. You can't breed it out. Uh, yeah. So it's like with lavenders and kinking, like that was a big thing. Like, Oh, lavenders kink, not all lines of lavender kink. Um, and like, it sucks if you get a line of lavender that kinks, you should probably just not breed them. Um, but like those have been bred out and the bloodline has been diluted enough that that's not an issue really anymore, but that's not going to be able to happen with palmettos. Those eyes are always going to be a thing that can happen. So yeah. I just don't really want to deal with it. Um, I don't, you know, and it's like, what do you do? We don't know if those snakes, we, we don't yet know if they suffer. So. I just, until you know for sure whether they suffer or not, I'm not planning on producing any or having, selling any, you know. I think that's, I think that's a, that's a, a good position to take on it. Yeah. And also a lot of people don't talk about it. They also have a very low survival rate, just inherently. Uh, you know, I, I've seen people take head to head out of wild caught animals and just have low clutch survival rates. Not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, who cares if they want to eat or not? We've got to deal with that with, certain lineages regardless right like yeah it's on on us for breeders to get the meeting but yeah you know yeah so what do you think about you know recently we've seen a lot of price increases on morphs and uh you know on this hobby as a whole what do you what are you thinking about you know are, are you happy to see the price increases are you you think that's appropriate for the animals the work we're putting into it uh you think that's just necessarily the times we're dealing with or, or you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I have mixed feelings about it. Um, I, I think obviously it's good for sellers when you can actually make money off of something that you're doing because this, Very uh, true. Price, <laughs> this price increase, I think for some people, not necessarily me, but uh, it allowed for corn snakes to actually be a supplemental income. Yeah. Um, finally, like if you like, there's obviously right. people yeah. who do corn snakes full time. So like Steve Roy Lance, I think does it full time. Walter Smith at least did it full time. I believe SMR did or does it full time. Not hundred percent sure. So there's all these big names that do it full time, but they have hundreds of snakes. That is their life. That is what they do. And I know for sure, at least for some of them that they just wholesale out a bunch of stuff. Like they just make stuff and wholesale it out to who knows yeah. who. Um, and that's how they make their money. And that's fine. They, I don't, whatever. Uh, but I think that this price increase did allow for a more casual keeper to actually say, you know what, this job that I hate, that I've been working 40 to 60 hours a week, I'm going to go down to 30 hours a week now because I'm making enough money that yeah. the corn snakes are supplementing what I would be making. And I think that that's really positive And I love that. Um, I think that it can tip too far though. Um, and I think that because 
things in our economy overall are not necessarily going to be going back up anytime soon. I think that they may kind of continue to keep getting worse for a little while. And so um, I, I don't think that this is going to be a permanent price increase. I think that maybe within the next couple of years, it may kind of go back down a bit. I hope not. I hope I'm wrong. Genuinely. Like I hope that this is more sustainable, but for me as a breeder, um, who doesn't make a whole lot of money on snakes. Uh, I, I make a little bit. Um, I'm more than break even, but it's not enough for me to like say that I like make money. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, absolutely. It's, uh, it's hard for me to right now go purchase any snakes for projects. I'm like, yeah, I would love to start a terrazzo project, but even terrazzos, which is, is kind of the reject morph of the day, those are selling for $250 a piece. That's a lot of hours that I have to work and I have a mortgage, you know? So um, for, for someone like me who would really love a new project, yeah. I can't afford to go buy project snakes. And even if I could afford it now, there's no guarantee that those the, the snakes are going to pay themselves off in three years because right. who knows yeah. what the economy is going to look like. And I know that sometimes you have to take a leap of faith. You just do. You have to say, you know what? I have a passion for this project. This is something that I'm putting in because it is um, yeah. worth my time for me and I enjoy it. And if, and that's why a lot of people I think are willing to spend the extra money on snakes right now. It's, you know what? I am investing in a pet that I'm going to have for the next 15 or, or however many years. And um, they are willing to do that. It's like, they'd be willing to spend $500 on a dog. So they're willing to spend $500 on a snake. And that's great. And I love that. And there are those people out there. Um, I just don't, I don't think that snakes are as accessible now to people who want them. So that's another issue that I have is like, I I don't like it when people are not are like, hey, I would love to get this snake, but like I can't afford it because like like I always say, if you can't afford the if you cannot afford the pet, the vet, you can't afford the pet. I'm like mixed up here. If you can't afford the vet, you can't afford the pet, and I get that. But a, a typical vet visit for a snake is what like maybe a hundred dollars, maybe less, depends on what you're having done. Uh, but yeah. usually it's cheaper than a cat or dog. And so when the snake's price is like three or four times the vet price, yeah, I mean, you're really not, that that doesn't apply anymore. And so I I feel really bad charging what other people are charging. And I, I was reprimanded for that this year uh, by a bigger breeder. Like, hey, you're messing stuff up for us because you're selling things for 150 instead of 250. Um, please stop. And I'm like, but I want people to be able to have the joy that I experience yeah. and I know that not everybody's going to be able to afford $250 like so I, I have mixed feelings it's all over the place and you I don't also, I don't have a straight answer you also don't have 50 babies you're selling it's you know, you know it's like you right. only have a handful it's like you can't can yeah. you realistically single-handedly crash a certain right market well and yeah that babies like yeah yeah, so um, I have mixed feelings on it, but I, I think it's overall a positive. I just do think that we need to be careful not to push it too far because um, if we make it so no one can possibly purchase our animals because of their price, then that means no one buys our animals. Right. Yeah. And that means that we're stuck feeding them. Um, and not only that, but it's like, you know, then people just like aren't having pet snakes and then people lose interest. And so I just think people it's, drop their it needs, and you end up yeah. in that same position regardless. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I just think it's good to make sure that um, we're meeting the customers in the middle, I guess, is the best way to put it. There's, you know, I, I had a I had a moment this year uh, with the breeder for a different species uh, that kind of got onto me and said, hey, you know, you're selling your your animals a little too cheap. Um, I'd appreciate it if you increase your prices. And, and mm -hmm. I said, hey, you know what? I actually have a, a great deal that I'll do. I'll knock a certain percentage off of every single one of them. And you could buy every one of them from under me. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, and and sell them, resell them if you want. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I genuinely price my animals relatively low. Um, I'm in, I, I, yeah, I, I'm in this position where this is a hobby. I would, I would love to do it full time and maybe someday I will, you know, but at that point I'll have already been retired from my career. Uh, the person that in, in fact got onto me was not doing this full time. Right. It's, mm -hmm. they were just a hobby breeder as well. And they were like, you know, this is just, you know, it's kind of unfair if they could just buy them from you. And I was like, well, I'll even make a special deal. I'll oh, lower the market. price even more and you could buy all of them. And, and, yeah. and so, uh, how that ended and where it ended is kind of irrelevant, but they did end up buying all my animals and well, not all <laughs> of my animals, but the animals that I was selling at the time. And, and, this is not a regulated market. And if anybody right. has a problem with the price in which you are selling your animals for, whether it is high or low, um, you you are very welcome to uh, yeah. eat your own asshole. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah, for sure. It, it's, I that think that's how I felt. I yeah. yeah, that's like, how chondros. I felt too. Yeah. Like, I, got, are like, I, don't know who would, I don't know who would pay that, but. Whatever, and sure enough, then they're sold on Morph Market. And it's like, someone yeah. will. I think it's yeah. ridiculous, but whatever. Yeah, Morph like, rocks. yeah. When I was seeing, like, just regular amelanistics selling for, like, $120, I about pooped myself. Because yeah. I was like, I remember, like, just a few years ago, I couldn't sell an amelanistic for, like, 30 bucks. Okay. Right. Um, so, like, the fact that, you know, someone's selling it, just a regular old amel for $100 more than it was selling you know, three or four years ago, I was just like, I just don't think that people are going to be down for that for very long. Um, right. Especially the more breeders we get in the hobby, they're not going to buy regular a melanistics for $150. Nope. They can, you know, they can get two normal head amels and produce those a melanistics for like a third of the price. So I, like, I, yeah, I, I truly believe that what may have in 2003, let's, let's go back to when we were kind of getting into this hobby. Uh, AML was a $35 snake, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. I yeah. think that now, and I have sold every one of my AMLs for $75 to maybe $85. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's about where I'm at. Yeah. And I sold out, right? Yeah. No questions asked. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and, and I am happy to sell those animals at that price because, Sarah, like you, I'll, I'll close my books at the end of the year, look at how much money I spent. Time, you know, how much is my time worth? Yeah. As long as I'm enjoying what I'm doing, it's free. If yeah. it starts feeling like work, I, I get real expensive. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, you know, and we could all play that game, right? Where we say, okay, how much do I get paid an hour at work? And it, it, that could, that's a, there's a huge range. And so how many hours have I put into my hobby? You know, yeah. I put hundreds and hundreds of hours a year into my hobby. Oh, same. But I would be doing that regardless. Yeah. Because I for love sure. this. Yeah. So, you know, and, and there's, 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 you know, we start getting into the math and the calculations of it. And, and, and yeah, I, I'm glad that there was a price increase on these animals mm -hmm. across the board because yeah. it was deserved. 
Uh, For sure. At $35 a piece, I can't sell snakes and pay my food bill, right? Yes, it, correct. It, it, co- it costs about 50 bucks a year to feed an adult, yep. give or take. Now, with my mouse prices now, I, probably close to 60 bucks a year to, to, to feed an adult. I'll multiply that times two. So now I've got $200 per adult. I got a clutch yeah. of, let's say, 12 to 15 and there it's a it's a it's a dollar per pinky per baby and, and i know it's probably less than that and I, under, and I understand but now okay i get i get three to five feedings in them maybe i want to go to 10 maybe i hold one back because it looks good you're you're looking you're looking at a you know one clutch of 15 snakes is is a couple hundred dollars so when yeah. i sell my 15 snakes i would sure like to see i don't know fit for 15 animals i'd like to see at least a thousand bucks back because yeah, that'd be great and this is even devoiding myself of the time that I put into it. Water bowls and poop cleans, oh, yeah. and tub cleans, and you know, enclosure cleans. Goodness, it, 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 you know, we we could we could talk about that for hours. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm with you. I think there was absolute room for the price increase, and I'm glad there was. But yeah, mm-hmm. the people that think that you you just you know you need to be egregious with this. You're gonna price people out of this hobby. Yeah. And, and it's it's not going to do the same thing that ball pythons did. This is not the next ball python. The next right. ball python will never happen again, right? Yeah. That was a that was a there's a very unique secular situation that happened. So, anyways, yeah, that's yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you you, you feel that way about it. I think it's it's, it's, a, yeah. it's a good way to look at it. Yeah, and I definitely don't think that anybody should be going to anybody else and being like, "Hey, I can't sell my snakes because yours are too cheap." It's like, okay, then just buy all my snakes. It's a big old book about them. your business, right? Like, right. It's, it's like, you know, I the person that said that to me this last year is like, well, you know, this isn't a, we're not, nobody's manipulating the market. And I was like, okay, but you're trying to do that right now by telling me how I should be pricing my animals. Yeah. So like, if you're not trying to manipulate the market, just buy my snakes yeah, and sell totally them, okay. which like did not happen. The snakes that they were concerned about, um, the whole clutch ended up actually going to a um, a big school project for a, a local elementary school where the kids were taking care of snakes in, in classrooms. And awesome. I was happy to let them go to that instead of having to deal with <laughs> any other <laughs> drama. Yeah. I, I, and that's the thing. And I, they went so cheap. Like I could, I could have raised my prices to $250 a snake and, you know, gotten a few thousand dollars out of that clutch. But instead I lowered them to $50 a snake from like 120 or something um, yeah. for the sake of these uh, elementary school kids. Because to me, that's more important. Yeah. It's more important to do that than it is to make sure that I'm following some like, you know, <laughs> Yeah, no of like you have to price it the same way that the big people are pricing it. Yeah. It's like no, I don't have to do that. I do what I want. That's hey. one thing that people don't like about me is they I just do what I want. Well, the thing too is like if you were getting out of everything and it was a situation where you had to sell things ASAP, like get everything gone, like they wouldn't, you know, people wouldn't complain about that if it, that was right. Right. So yeah, but that's because then I wouldn't be competition anymore. Yeah, I just I don't. I guarantee you, it's 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 a situation of being in the limelight. People are like, "Oh, I want," but you know what? I bet. Anyways, if they I, put like as said, much effort into so their if they put as much effort into their YouTube channel as I do, they might have yeah. that same like following and that same appeal. Um, but they don't. 
Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, you're not putting any effort into advertising except for posting on your Facebook page once every couple of days. So like, don't come to me and tell me that I'm not working hard enough for what I'm doing and that I don't deserve to set my own prices. Come but I can go on this for forever. Free like I do already. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, for right. you, obviously not me. I don't know how a video works. It's uh, yeah, it's basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing is like, you, Hey, you come over here, clean my snake shit. Uh, clean yeah. my water bowls. Sure. Uh, you know, buy me new water bowls because we have to buy new water bowls all the time. Right, buy every year. Bedding. Yep. Uh, come, come on over. You do that, and I'll raise my prices. Ain't even a question. And, sure. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. No, we, the market is huge. We are little. We are. We are. We right. are small little farts in the wind that is <laughs> right. is, is is a giant asshole, right? Yeah. And so yeah. We, we we can we can. Yes, we could take advantage of, of prices going up and we could we can I say take advantage. It's not taking advantage, but we can respect it. But yeah. at the same time, you can't tell me that my five gene animal should only be sold at five, six, seven hundred dollars. Because I'm mm -hmm. not flooding the market. You know, I produce right. you know, I I don't know this, but I'm gonna guess that people giving you a hard time aren't producing what, a hundred snakes? No. Like we produce, you know, a hundred animals maybe if we're lucky that year yeah they're they're probably in the thousands or or yeah at least egregiously larger than us and, and so yeah yeah it's you know our, our 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 values are dictated by what we put into it and the work that we we put into it and and what we think they're worth and so no no nobody but anyways yeah this could be a lot <laughs> it could be we could yeah. sit here and talk about that forever i think yeah okay what is your favorite morph of corn snake? Ultra single ultra. Oh. Well, that's two, I guess. So ultra, I guess. If I had to pick like no. a single gene mutation. But ultra mel works. Ultra mel is, ultra mel is what I would say. Yeah. Is there a combination you like the most out of ultra mel? Gold dust motley, no question. Just yeah. yep. Uh, gold dust motley was. Uh, it just has always been my favorite thing, and they vary more than you think they're going to, and especially the gold dust motley that I hatched in 2020 with the like really thick okati borders i never in a million years would have thought that she that, that i would have a snake that looked like her and awesome. um she she almost has and she doesn't have any like cool special lineage except she did come from a halo line there's halo on both sides uh okay. which is why i i this was a project where i was combining the two halo lines to kind of see what you know what was going to go on there and um there's no like actual like known Okati in the background because I got like the grandsire for free. He was just dropped off to me. Like I said, I went through a period of my life where people just dropped random snakes off to me <laughs> and then ended up having babies. Um, so like, but he was, he looked semi like reverse Okati, uh, but like there's no other like very prominent Okati look in the line, uh, except for just the fact that Halo by itself, like if you want to, if you want better Halos, they got to have thicker borders. Um, but then just with Motley, she's just, she has like a very light Miami colored background. And then she has just like those golden, like just what would have been like a ground color, like saddle blotch. I, I don't, I don't even know yeah. how to describe her, but then she's got those thick dark borders and there's no way that she's, not a gold dust motley. That's the only yeah. thing that she could be based on her parents. And uh, I just, that combination has just always struck me as being just like so beautiful. I love yellow corn snakes. Just anything yeah. with yellow is, is always been one of my favorites. Looks damn good on a snake. It does. Especially like 
I don't know, a snake that you can just like hold and look at. Like you just don't see that very often. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Like there's some snakes that are yellow that you don't look, you don't touch. They're, they're an over there snake, but like <laughs> yeah, the, like the ones that can be right there. I don't know. They're, they're just. It, honestly, in the grand beautiful. scheme of things, there's not a lot of yellow snakes that stay yellow. That's true. Right. Yeah, for sure. I and mean, you know, Justin, look at your yellow chondros that come out as babies. How many yellow adults are there, right? It's it's, it's a very it's uncommon. It's thing. a certain line, yeah. Uh, you know, people yeah, talk about line. blue snakes that are just amazing, and blue is such an amazing color. We're not going to see that in corns, honestly. Yeah, ever. probably not. Uh, but yeah, yeah, yellow is very indicative that the animals that have that heavy erythrin that can that can kind of make that that happen. Anyways, uh, yeah. You know, uh, do you have a favorite snake? I thought about this because I got the like sort of prompts or whatever. And um, it's so hard because I love them so much. Like all of them and they all like have their own special place. Some of them I dislike. Some of them I actively dislike. But um, I guess if I had to pick a favorite, it'd have to be the son of my Halo male, uh, my original Halo. Um, uh, his name is Frangapani, uh, which is a yellow flower. He was from the yellow flower clutch. And um, he is such a sweetheart. And if somebody wants to see uh, like a corn snake adult, he's the one I go for because he's just, he's so sweet and he's so beautiful. And he's just got that pristine, like white, yellow, pink color pattern That's to awesome. him. And he's just like, he's, he's great. And just the fact that he's the son of my original Halo uh, for my very first clutch of corn snakes, like it always takes me back to my roots in a way, kind of like yeah. where I, I like I think about that project and I just think about like why I'm doing this and why I started doing this in the first place and like why when that first clutch of eggs started hatching, did that like keep me going forever on this? Yeah. And I, I think so. Awesome. I think part of it's just because of the nostalgia that comes with that line, but. Um, the female, his sister, who is a green blush, I love her also, but she's also uh, kind of spicy. So I don't really like handle her that much. And uh, especially she's gravid right now. Like she's one of those that when she gets gravid, she is like heavy gravid. You know what I mean? Some of them, you can't hardly tell. They just have eggs one day. But then she's one of those where it's like, you just look at her from like across the room and you know, yeah. she is full of eggs. So she is always grumpy. And uh, at least when she's gravid, she's grumpy. So, like, I don't have a super great relationship with her, but the male I really, really enjoy. That's awesome. And I, and I like the fact that it's immediately tied to, like, a personal relationship with the Yeah. Animal. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what is the future of your YouTube channel? <laughs> uh, honestly, probably very similar to the, the present, I hope. Good. Uh, I'm going to keep doing, yeah. I'm going to keep doing morph deep dives until there are no more to do. And, um, you know, it's like I have enough content through like every morph combination ever, pretty much. So like, you know, and I may not go to that extent, but like I have quite a lot of options for the future with that. Uh, and I also have been redoing old morph deep dives that I did, like as new information comes out or um, now that I actually have like good video editing software, I'm going back and redoing them. Like the lavender video yeah. I just did is a redo from a lavender video I did like a year or two ago. Um, because I remember when I did that video, I literally had to print out pictures and hold them up to the screen of like, this is what a lavender looks yeah. like. And uh, so now I'm redoing those old things. Um, and I'm doing book reviews, which I think uh, as, as much as they are not popular like on my it. channel, 
I like yeah, it. I appreciate that. Uh, they're not super popular. They they really have the lowest view count of any style of video that I've done. But I think it's important for people getting into the hobby who want to know where to get good information. So it's like I have bought these books and read these books so that you know which books to buy and to avoid. And because um, that's another thing is people always ask me like, well, which book should I get? And you know, which books should I avoid? And which authors should I avoid? And I thought I'm just going to buy every corn snake book on Amazon, which by the way, cost yeah. me more money than Amazon has made me or not Amazon, <laughs> YouTube has made yeah. me. So like, I have not made money on YouTube, even though I'm monetized. Like I spent all that money on corn snake books for the channel already. Um, and I'm just going through them, reading through them saying, okay, this is a two out of 10, a five out of 10, a 10 out of 10, so that people know what to buy or to avoid. Uh, so I'm going to keep doing those until I run out of corn snake books. And there's an unfortunately high number of corn snake books. So that's going to be a while. Um, that's yeah, going to be at least yeah. a few years of, of videos for me. Um, and just, you know, Q and A videos, whenever they come up, I'll probably do one of those at the end of the month. And, uh, I don't know, just like whatever I feel like, like it's this, my channel's always been just whatever I feel like I didn't really like pick up on it until, yeah. Uh, I didn't really, uh, do a whole lot with it until about 2019. And that's when I really like started caring about it. Uh, and I don't know why I started caring about it back then. But um, I did, and so it's, it has evolved into what it is now. I used to just do morph deep dives whenever someone would ask me for one. But now I actually have like a schedule where it's like, okay, there's about four weeks in a month. And so on the first week, I'm going to do this. Second week is this. Third, fourth. And it's on a nice schedule now. And um, that makes it easier for me because I always know what I'm going to be doing. And so I can write scripts ahead of time. Sometimes I even record a whole month ahead of time. I'll spend one full like Sunday afternoon just recording a bunch of videos. And so then I have like a few weeks off. Yeah. Um, and that's always nice. So I think that uh, it's going to be whatever I want it to be. Yeah. And whatever other people request from me, really, uh, as long as it's within reason, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's awesome. It's going to be natural. It's going to be a yeah. thing that you're going to do at your own pace. And like you said, you know, a couple hundred bucks from YouTube is, is not paying for these videos. No, it's not. Information that's getting out there. Yeah. Justin, did you have any more corn snake questions? Um, I don't think so. Cause there's one more topic we have to talk about. So. <laughs> why, why MPG is better than, uh, any other? So I am personally a very big Pokemon fan. Yeah, oh, you I've can been, see my lovely yeah. collection and of Pokemon. I know Pokemon. you have a channel yeah. and you talk about Pokemon stuff. There. Uh, you know, yeah. It was derivative of me as a young man uh, playing Magic the Gathering, which mm -hmm. led to me playing the Pokemon card game. Yep. Uh, which turns out I still somewhere I need to find them. Is I have all the original Pokemon cards. Uh, Ooh! Yeah, they're, they're they're somewhere. I'm guessing my parents' house. I don't know. There's somewhere. Dude, they would be worth so much more money now. I'm just telling you, they they would yeah, be. Yeah, I've heard they're like even just like the the regular stuff is is valuable. Yeah. Uh, but I am a huge Pokemon fan. Did your Thanks. love of Pokemon lead into snake keeping, or or is there anything reflective in that? I don't think that they're related in any way. Um, but like Pokemon was definitely something that I was obsessed with as a child. Um, I have always been a collector of things Yeah, and, same. um, the Pokemon cards, I didn't care if I had the whole collection. That was yeah. never what I cared about. What I cared about was, do I like the things I have? And, um, when I was a kid, my favorite thing to do, 
Uh, I also had Beanie Babies. So like yeah. I was a Beanie Baby kid too. Yeah. Um, and I was also like, I also really liked to collect rocks when I was a kid. And my mom like one day like threw them out in the driveway and I was so sad because she's like, they're just rocks. And I was like, but you don't understand. I picked out oh, this rock. My five-year-old, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step in real quick, has a massive rock collection from all the walks we go on, the hikes, the snake hunting. We meet her do a little snake hunting yeah. and stuff. She actually comes with me snake hunting, which is amazing. Uh, yeah, she has a huge rock collection, and we're just like pressing on it. We're like, Lily, just keep, keep, keep collecting rocks. Anyways, that's I yeah. Kinda... I wish that my parents had done that because my <laughs> mom did not like the fact that I just had rocks in my room. But it's fine, you know. It, it, it is. It's the past. It's, it doesn't hurt that much anymore. Um, but I loved Pokemon cards, and I would spend yeah. hours as a kid. Like I, I have a younger brother. Um, but he and I never really had much in common. And um, especially when we were young, um, he's four years younger than me. So when he was maybe four or five years old and I was, you know, like eight, nine, ten years old, um, we just like didn't have anything in common at all. And what I wanted to do was sit in my room by myself and just like go through all of my Pokemon cards. I would dump them all out and I would resort them all. That was my favorite thing to do was just to sit and sort Pokemon cards for hours. And I entertained awesome. myself four hours doing that and so um i don't know like and i also played the games i i loved playing the games as a yeah. kid that was, was my first, first game, video game the first pokemon game was on the game boy color and i think it was pokemon yellow okay. i think i can't remember if it was i know my grandma got yellow and she got red and I can't yeah. remember if it was my brother who got yellow or if I got yellow, but I think he got red because red was his favorite color. So like pretty sure that I was, that I had yellow, but we kind of shared the game, which was, which was weird. Like we would share That's our awesome. games because like, game. yeah, Pokemon yellow was great. Um, and I remember like the, the only thing I genuinely remember about my childhood from that game was um, at the end, they're like, you can go to Cerulean cave. And I was like, I don't know why I would do that. And like months go by and my friend's like, what do you mean you haven't gotten Mewtwo yet? Like, what's your problem? And it was just like, what do you mean if I go to Cerulean Cave, I get Mewtwo? So I don't know. Uh, but uh, and I think I got Crystal, Gold, Silver and Crystal and Crystal version is probably my favorite version of all of the games. And like, <clears throat> it just like never died. My love for that just never died. And um, it kind of like died down a little bit. But um, now that I'm 30 yeah, and like not really sure what my future plans with like kids or whatever is going to be, um, I'm just like, I'm just going to start collecting plushies now. That's, that's, yeah. this is my new collection, collection of Pokemon plushies. And there's some extras back there. I don't, I don't even know. Like there's, I don't know if you can see this one right here is a penis plushie. A, a do what? It's a, it's a penis plushie. Yeah, <laughs> Is like a little chode, and his name is <laughs> his name is Squish, and I love him so much. Um, oh, yeah. My husband got that for me because I saw oh, it online, it. and it's, it's awesome. got eyes and a in a little face, and it's so cute. So uh, I used to sleep <laughs> I used to sleep with it because it it was it's anyway. Uh, so love those it. are that's my plushie collection, and that meowth in the corner. I don't know if you can see it, but it's still like in the box, like. I don't know, but I got that. That's like one of the very first Meowth plushies that were ever made. And so 
that's fun. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I do have a YouTube channel for it. It's just under yep. Joy Princess Sarah. Um, Joy Princess Sarah is kind of like my other alter ego. Like I have Sarah's Snake Shop, and then when I have to make like a username, it's always Rika Twenty Seven. Uh, so if you ever see Rika Twenty Seven on any like games, it's probably me. And uh, then like Joy Princess Sarah is like my other sort of alter ego that I go by, and um, it's because Princess is uh, what is like Sarah is what Sarah means. Like I don't know. Uh, the I guess like the name Sarah means princess in Hebrew or something like that. So that's that's where that came from. And so that's my other YouTube channel. If anyone would like to subscribe, I need fifty subscribers before I can do lives on that channel, and I only have eight. <laughs> so I would love to do lives on that channel, yeah, and I've I'd love been to watch doing that's awesome. I've been doing lives on my like snake shop channel and then like making them like taking them down from that channel and then re-uploading them to my second channel because like that's the only way that i've been able to yeah. do lives on that but that's it's awesome. been it's been fun like i i just i beat legends arceus or most of it and um yeah that's a weird game it's interesting i played it as well it's, it's I, I, fun. I i'm like anything so i i'm gonna talk a little bit uh so <laughs> i my dad took me and stood in line so i could buy pokemon red that i oh, played yeah. on my uh you know pokemon red and blue uh i could play on my i just had a game boy i didn't have game yeah, boy color okay and, uh, yeah. and so I, I i remember that and that that it did it died away right like i got into the card game that was a, a byproduct of magic the gathering and then later on in life kind of in, in like my 30s somewhere in there i was like man pokemon was great yeah. And so I started playing the games again and I was like, wow, this is all and my kid loves Pokemon. We watched the yeah. old cartoon that I used to watch. That's on the great. Weekends. Yeah, and, same uh, here. So yeah, I went through Sword and Shield and then the new Arceus. And I'm super excited about this new open world game they're gonna come out with. But yeah, oh, yeah. No, Me po too. Pokemon's a wonderful, wonderful, very genuinely uh <sighs> I say I say like guilty pleasure, kind of innocent good thing that yeah. does nothing that you in all ages can enjoy it and yeah yeah it's a it's yeah it's just a very like pure yeah, experience it's, it's pure, just pure yeah. fun you can't like you know because nothing in it is like dangerous or really you know or like scarring really for a child like yeah it's not you know because like there's other games <laughs> say what? Gathering's a little rough. yeah and i mean i also like I'm a huge Zelda person like Zelda is actually my real obsession like I, I love Pokemon don't but get me Zelda, started on Zelda. I am obsessed with Zelda. I have always a whole Zelda wall in the other room. Like, That's just awesome. a whole wall of Zelda stuff. And, but the wall um, can't come out faster. Ooh yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, but, like, for a child... That's a little much, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. you got to be in the right mindset. I did not play Majora's Mask. That was way too like stressful for me as a child. Um, just like having a time limit, I was like, no, I can't. I have to explore. Zelda is for exploring. Zelda is not for let's rush before we die. So, I, but yes, I all video game, pretty much Nintendo, just like yeah. all Nintendo things. And yeah, but like yeah, Pokemon is just like nice, pure fun, and you get these cute little monsters, and you can get plushies of them, and you know, it's just fun. I just like it. And and it's it's across all platforms, really. Yeah. You can play the video games. You can play the card games. You can get plushies. You can watch the TV show. I just really like it. And I know that I'm an adult. I know that I'm almost 31 <laughs> years old. Yeah. And I'm into these somewhat childish things. But, like, you know, if I think about my parents when they were 30, 
Like my dad still liked the things that he liked when he was 10, when he was 30. And so even though it may seem childish, that's just a part of what we were growing up. Yep. And it just doesn't, it doesn't just leave you. No. And you know, it's, it's like, and also just let me enjoy my stuff. Yeah. You know, like exactly. anybody who's going to come at me and judge me for the things <laughs> that I enjoy, like go I'll mind your business. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Don't make fun exactly. of my hobbies. I don't make fun of you being an asshole. Yeah, pretty much. I will call yeah. you out on it too in public. Good, good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, where can people find you? Everywhere, uh, but mostly I am on Facebook daily. So it's Sarah Snake Shop on Facebook. Um, I have sarahsnakeshop.com, all one word. Uh, I do have an H at the end of my name. So that's like a thing a lot of people forget is that I'm like the biblical Sarah, um, not the fake Sarah. Sorry to disappoint any of you imposters out there. Um, but, the, well, you know, the age is the real Sarah. I can be found on Instagram at Joy Princess Sarah. Same with TikTok. Uh, my TikTok lately has been very personal stuff. And also, I like to grow mushrooms as a hobby. We have oyster mushrooms. We have lion's mane mushrooms. Uh, so, like, there's a lot of that kind of stuff on there. And, like, a lot of stuff about my gardening and all that. So, like, the TikTok is more of just, like, a personal, more of a personal space and, like, things that are not snake-related. Uh, but I also have Joy Princess Sarah, of course, on my other, my second YouTube channel if you want Pokemon stuff. I've been doing a lot of Pokemon card-specific things. But uh, what I'd really like to do is start live-streaming uh, Pokemon because it's, like, if I'm playing the games anyway, I listen, I talk out loud to myself Hell all yeah. the time. I might as well be talking to a chat. So, like... <laughs> Um, I'd like to do that if I got more subscribers and could actually like go live, I would, uh, but I can't yet cause I need those 50 subscribers. So like, um, yeah, I, I guess that's it. Let's see. I have other things, but like, like I have a Twitter, but don't even try. I'm not going to get on it. And I think that's it. Like just the, the Facebook I'm on daily Instagram, Joy Princess Sarah. I'm on there daily. Uh, most of the time. Um, I try to post snake pictures on there every day, but sometimes I miss a day. Uh, and then obviously YouTube, Sarah you, Snake Shop on YouTube. You you moderate the uh, Corn Snake ID group, right? Yeah, Corn Snake Morph ID help. Um, I'm one of the main admins, and uh, it's I'm on there pretty much all the time, um, like all the time, like pretty much anytime my my phone has a notification, it's something on there. So like that's a way that you can contact me. If you want to contact me, it's uh, joyprincesssarah at gmail.com. So if it's more of a personal contact, that's the best place to reach me. Um, or on my Snake Shop page on Facebook. So Sarah Snake Shop on Facebook is a is a good way to reach me as well. Awesome. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a great episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, me too. I really appreciate you guys having me on and like I don't know. I, I guess I see a lot of things in a slightly different light after this podcast. And I felt like, I felt like it was nice to just sit and have a nice conversation where we're all just like chill and honest with each other about stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's really nice. It's nice to just, and, and to hear about you guys breeding different species too. Cause mm -hmm. I really only have corn snakes right now and I hope to branch out into other things, but like, it's really cool to, to hear what everybody's got going on. There's just Absolutely. too much cool stuff out there. There's way too much cool stuff. Gotta collect them all. Much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Is this what I've been doing my whole life? <laughs> <laughs> it's all subconscious. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I need therapy now. We all do. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Honestly. 
<laughs> yeah, just set aside an extra like hundred dollars a month and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. My snakes will pay for my therapy. That doesn't that makes yeah. sense, right? Oh, with the increased prices from 2022 to <laughs> Right? Exactly. I, I guess we'll see how it goes this year. Yeah, absolutely. Guys buy my snakes. I'm just trying to hit therapy just once, <laughs> once a month. You know, $1,200 gets me through a year, but you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, you know, to some extent, I think this is our therapy, you know. A little bit. Uh, yeah. This is our love. This is our passion. This is our, this is our get together. Uh, you know, whether we get to see each other in person or, or, or not, this is, you know, it's wonderful enough. We, we get to let our, let our, let ourselves be just us. Right. Yeah. How many white cloths did you have? What's that? How many white cloths did you have? Uh, <laughs> yeah, about on number six. Right now, so. uh, I had three last night and woke up with a hangover today. So that's not going to happen for me. <laughs> Shout out to my no hangover genetics. You know, dad, thanks for being an alcoholic. You know, he really <laughs> put it on me solid. So, uh, oh, yeah, I need, to, I need to complain to my grandpa so why that did not pass on to me. He'll, Excuse me? Why can't I have that? Give me that <laughs> Give me that resilience to being hungover. You can hydrate Absolutely. at the same time as getting hammered. <laughs> 2022, we have alcoholic water. <laughs> yes, actually when i had when i had white claws the other day i was mixing um like electrolyte g fuel in it so that like it would give me some extra electrolytes and extra oh flavor goodness. so oh very good water. <laughs> I, 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 I can barely i can barely put caffeine in this body i just can't do it no no electrolytes no caffeine just alcohol and water let's go just alcohol and water and cigars yeah, and cigars. Cigars are good. Good old nicotine. Kick it off. Nicotine's good for you. Uh, you know, I, I've heard that. I've heard that from certain people, for sure. C cigars really are very calming, very relaxing. They're very uh, studious as well. You should, yeah. you should try a cigar. Come I have never tried a cigar. I, I do not. I've never smoked anything, which might sound crazy, but never smoked anything. I was a, I was a sheltered, you know, middle whatever sheltered indiana child <laughs> well cigars are very you know fda came out and said that three to five cigars a day is still not a dangerous thing so if you have a cigar i i smoke a couple of, a week it's it's a healthy thing justin you smoke a lot of cigars you're you're a healthy guy so for the most part yeah cigars are for the most part i guess <laughs> cigars are not de uh, deteriorative to your health so okay that's good to know i may have just made that word up and that's okay this, you know uh, what? I understood what you meant, and language is fluid, so yeah. screw anybody right. who says otherwise. This episode is brought to you by blackboxcages.com and somervillereptiles.com. Please check out both Facebook, Instagram. Follow Mr. Painchab at Badlands Herpeticulture. Is it Badlands underscore? You know, Badlands there. underscore herpeticulture at Instagram. And uh, I don't post a lot of pictures, uh, but so just message me because I suck it. Uh, social media. I'm the worst at it. So, <laughs> just message me. Just bug me. I love talking to people. Yeah. You can find me at Palmetto Coast Exotics, Facebook, Instagram, the Herpeticulture Network.com. It has now been switched over from the magazine to the network officially. So, adding content to that as we go. We will be back Monday night for Snakes and Stogies 115. Woo! It's getting hard to keep track of it all. I do be like that. Yeah. It is tough.
Just don't keep track of any of it. That's that's my. Yeah, that's just my keep problem. going. Who cares? <laughs> I just post stuff in my stories, and I never post pictures. And then I get people complaining that I don't post anything on my Instagram. You do send you send more pictures to us in the chat than you do yeah. post. I don't really know how to get my hashtags to work, where I can just post all my hashtags. You just save it to your clipboard, and then. What's a clipboard? No. What's that, Justin? <laughs> all right. On that note, <laughs> everyone have a good evening. Say goodbye, Chris. Bye. Bye. I love you guys. Goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, anyway. <laughs>